0: The good news is... Dr.
1: Slattery? Yeah, doctor, what's your problem?
0: Richard Pryor's playing doctor.
1: <laughs> what is the bad
0: news? He has no experience... What right about that? ...in treating patients...
1: Oh, it hurts all
0: over. Doctor, call. Oh, ...making house calls... I this ...and going on rounds. My girl likes to Richard Pryor's girl. in critical condition.
2: Now playing at a famous player's theater near you. Check local listings.
0: Going to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. I'll tell you, we've been partying uh, all the time, all the time, since uh, we just finished up the uh, the Halloween 2018 Halloween October <laughs> horror movie extravaganza. <laughs> you
1: know, it's been a tough couple of months, and I don't mean in terms of you know work, which it has been, but I mean in terms of where the country's been. <laughs> that too, but I was thinking more in terms of the caliber of movie we've been doing. Not even quality, but I mean more, uh, say, themes okay, or subject matter. I mean, we did a month of horror. Shadow wasn't so bad. That was fun. Yeah. But we did uh, some some old gritty movies. But we Taken was pretty rough.
0: We did Taken of One, Two, Three, 1, 2, 3, Bullet, Bullet, you know, uh. even...
1: I'm just saying, I think it's nice that we're going to take a step back and do something We're going to relax. A little, little more and comedic.
0: Stretch, stretch, our, <laughs> stretch our things out a bit. I did want to ask before we got any further, uh, listening to last week or two weeks ago, Suspiria podcast, you brought up a story that we never got to. So I know some of our listeners must be quaking to hear this. At least I was. <laughs> you brought up the single white female story that the DP had for... Uh, oh, Is okay. that relevant at all? <laughs> is that even worth bringing up? I mean, it might be a little anticlimactic at this point. Hey, welcome to Saturday New Movie <laughs> Sleepovers. I'm Dion Baya, and I'm Jay Blake, and you're in November. Here we are, 2018. Okay. So uh, just a little footnote or callback to Suspiria. So
1: the director of photography of Suspiria, now because it's been a couple of weeks, I don't remember his name. Yeah, but the guy who was the director of photography also shot Single White Female.
0: Yeah, he did a couple of American movies uh, into this his big career.
1: And Single White Female starred Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. And every time I hear stories about Bridget Fonda or just the, for the mere fact that she or the sheer fact that she worked with Sam Raimi a couple of times. She's in the beginning of Army of Darkness. Yeah. She just seems awesome. <laughs> yeah. So apparently they're doing a scene where she's tied up in a chair and gagged. And they're lighting around her and they're tweaking the lights and stuff. And the director... Says to the director of photography, says to the cinematographer, you know, what you're doing here is kind of Suspiria. And they start talking about, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm start talking about that. And s- suddenly, she, you know, uh, Bridget Fon is in her chair and she's wiggling around she's, like she's, she's, you know, she's tied up and she's got like duct tape or something over her mouth.
0: And so she, I like how in the rehearsal, <laughs> they don't bring it, they don't have a stand in for her and they keep her tied up. Uh, maybe they were just tweaking lights
1: in between shots yeah. or something and. And since she was all tied up, they didn't want to redo it. I don't know. But she's looking around, they're like, what is it? And she's, so she's kind of motioning, like, take off my gag, take off my gag. They take off her gag. And she's like, why are you guys talking about Suspiria? And the director's like, oh, because so-and-so.
0: Yeah, the DP shot it. He shot
1: it. And she was like, what? That's, like, my favorite movie
0: ever. And she didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, you know, so oh. that's... She should have been listening to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> had, had
1: she listened to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, she,
0: she would have known all about it.
1: But today, we're switching gears and we're doing We're Coming to America <laughs> today. <laughs> they are Coming to, to America. America
0: all around the world. <laughs> we're Coming to America. We're here. We're doing that was like my Bob Dylan meets. <laughs> that are <place>. coming, <laughs> yeah. coming to America. we to America the as uh, you, as you know I'm a big Neil Diamond fan uh, yes I am a yeah I know you are but uh, <laughs> what am I that's
1: not, <laughs> but that's not one of my favorite that's he's, a, little, a, he's a vast catalog that's a
0: little late for Neil for me yeah but
1: what the heck it's a classic
0: yeah well, I mean you know its and weird.
1: uh today we're just talking about the music video for that mo- song right
0: yeah for the entire time <laughs> uh we we're doing we're only specifically covering <laughs> Neil diamonds uh, coming to America song. video yeah. Taken
1: yeah. from that the that might be jazz interesting
0: if we did um,
1: broke down videos for a sidecast.
0: Yeah, like we did like you know like all the Guns and Roses canon or whatever. we like uh, historic videos. What for about? Our, uh, we uh, could,
1: or we could do an episode that involves animation of some sort, like that Paulo Abdul video.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, which she's going to come up in this tonight's <laughs> cast. But yeah, the, that's uh, straight and that up and me. One... That's tell- no, not straight up and tell me. That's um. Uh, what's that one? Opposites opposites attract,
1: and the one where the guy gets sucked in. Uh huh. Yeah. The take on me, take. <laughs> me. Me.
0: Then they go down. There's got to be a bunch yeah. that have. Some or kind we could talk animation. about like cameos, like you have. Uh, what's his name? Is it Ethan Cohen? Uh, from Frighteners, we love him, the actor. Or that's uh, Cohen, uh, Larry Cohen. No, not Larry Cohen. <laughs> What's the guy? He's he's the I'm a road my my I'm a road of pain. My body. Oh, Jeffrey uh, Cohen. Jeffrey, Combs. Jeffrey Jeffrey Combs is in the Aerosmith Pump video. Um, Jenny's got a gun. As the detective walked Jenny's
1: around. Go. Jenny's, go. <laughs> yeah, Jenny's got a gun. Jenny's got a gun. Jenny's got a gun. When Jenny was arrested, they found her father underneath the train. <laughs> Bob
0: Dylan. It's just <laughs> <assistant>. oh. a <laughs> His father was such a sleaze, so he ain't never going to be the same. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Run away from the pain. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> <laughs> Run Tom. away. Anyway. successfully
2: killed Blake. <laughs>
0: Or straight up and tell me you're going to love me forever. Sorry. That's really terrible. Okay, yeah. So, no, we're not doing that, silly goose. Today we're doing... Um, we're, we're taking... You're saying we're taking our shoes off. We're going to relax. Well, I just think we're doing something that's a like, little lighter tone. Like yeah, light, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it appeals to, to, like, I guess, the masses in a sense because it's funny. It's now, nice.
1: also, that was part of the pro- thought process. But the other... Th- part of the thought process was here on the east in the northeast anyway yeah starting to get a little colder certainly now of course we never think ahead of we, we get <laughs> when we try to sync up a movie with the time of year this happened with <laughs> weekend at bernie's yeah well we were a couple of months off we're a couple of months off here too because i i'm guessing that this probably takes place in
0: February? Yeah. I mean, they shot it in February and it kind of, there's snow on the ground. We're doing <laughs> Coming to America.
1: Because they were, he's like, you know, Christmas was like, you know, we just missed, you just missed Christmas. Yeah. And it's like some kind of black history week.
0: So that you would think that'd be February. So I'm
1: guessing that
0: it's February. Yeah. But they go to the- We um, decided it's, you
1: know, it's November. We're starting to get ready for winter. Want some cooler temperatures. We decided to throw this into the mix.
0: Yeah. And, and I think- um Certainly. Let's see. Well, I completely lost the train of my thought. You were talking about comedies and uh, 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 when it takes place, and uh, uh, this is.
1: You should not. It's it's a late night for us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just saying <laughs> it's, it's a particularly late. Night. It's it's a very it's a very late night for us. And then, we're a little
1: but, punch drunk, as Dion would say.
0: Yeah, as I would say, and you know we're we're working off of. Uh, you know, we're sobering up, and, and it's 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 getting light out already.
1: We finished our last Mega Jolt Cola about three hours ago. Yeah, so now so, we're crashing. <laughs> yeah, and, and just
0: sugar all over my teeth. <laughs> it feels like my
1: cavities. Yeah. my cavities are burrowing in as I speak.
0: Uh, but this is also the we're we're this is a what is this a 30th anniversary it's a thir- too?
1: Unintentional,
0: an an, an an unintentional 30th anniversary, and uh, I gotta say we're you know we're doing uh just say it yeah we're doing 1988's coming to america uh starring uh eddie murphy Arsenio hall john amos uh tons of people in this movie um i hadn't seen this movie in probably 20 years oh yeah me probably even more and uh i i Knew this back in the day like the back of my hand. I, you know, I, I, I quote know, jokes.
1: You've, you've quoted. I've heard you quote this movie. Yeah, I quote this movie. On many, equi- many
0: occasions. <laughs> I quote this movie to various people in many occasions. And, and I got to say, I really enjoyed this viewing. It was fun to come back because I completely... You, when you forget something so much and then you don't ever think about, oh, I should go revisit that. It's just randomly... You know, I, I tend to go towards, I like a little more his movie Harlem Nights, which is the next year. I think it's maybe 88 as well or 89. And that's always my go-to when I want to go watch classic Eddie Murphy films of that era that are comedies like that. So to come back and revisit this coming to America, it was just so, like, fun. It was so, it, like, it was good that it, a lot of times when we watch stuff on here, you know, you're, you might be disappointed. Or you're like, oh, you're going to you know, put your nostalgic cap on. Like this, it seemed like it was just effortless. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, it's... Let me pose some questions.
0: I'll go... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My initial
1: question that I was thinking of when we were watching it was, could this movie be made today? And I think it could. Yeah. So, I've switched my question into thinking, do you think a young millennial and younger... Because now it's like millennials are even adults now. So, mm. do you think... I'm just going to come out and say it. You think white kids would watch this movie today? Or do you think, like, white kids today watch the Tyler Perry, like, Medea movies? Because it's kind of the equivalent, as I think most of our generation grew up watching uh, stuff like this and Gonna Get You Sucker." Yeah. Things that are probably looked at as being, you know, African-American entertainment or, quote-unquote, black entertainment. But, you know, when you look in... to racial things in America, uh, you know, you think despite certain things that are going on these, th- you know, immediately these days, you think we've come a long way in terms of the race racism aspect. But yet, much of our generation, I, I, I think it can't be just that you and I, but I think a lot of like little white kids grew up watching Eddie Murphy movies and, you know, like I said, In Living Color. You know,
0: Cosby Show. There was was all
1: kinds of... So I just wonder if... Because this is, you know, obviously it's playing on a lot of black stereotypes. Not, you know, in a way... For for comedic value, but, you know, from uh, a, a black cast. So I just wonder if, you know, if this movie... If a movie like this was made today, would it connect with the kind of audience that we were at the time that this movie came out.
0: I think it would uh, more so because, you know, um, I think with every newer generation, there are, you know, these barriers are coming down and people may not even look at it in the same context of having the the background say we came at it with and this out of all yeah because his... like
1: tell us they were just movies yeah you know like when when i was used to watch going to get you sucker when i was little i mean i didn't think of them as being a parody of black exploitation or that it was a primarily black cast i mean it was just it was a funny movie that was on cable and I, and we watched it a bunch of times and same with this movie i think we
0: we should also um you know, this may be a controversial episode of because we're talking about stuff, and then we're just going to bring up other stuff. Like if we bring up Eddie Murphy's old stand-up routines and the stuff that's said, so it's like, you know, uh, this is interesting because maybe there is a preconceived notion of us being Caucasian uh, guys that were kids that used to watch stuff where we would look at it in any certain way, which I never did. Like you're saying, like I I grew up. I mean, like, when I was able to, like, listen to music, my parents gave me, like, an epi- uh, a record of Michael Jackson's Thriller, and they gave me Bill Cosby's Wonderfulness and Fat Albert records. So from a very young age, I adhered myself to music and then to com- comedy and specifically Bill Cosby. And I never looked at them being, you know, a different race or yeah, whatever yeah. to me. I mean, I grew up in the neighborhood I grew up when I was little. You know, it was a minority neighborhood. I guess I,
1: you know, I guess I just you know? wonder if white kids these days are watching... Whatever the equivalent of this kind of entertainment is and like the tyler perry Medea stuff that just comes to mind because that's
0: i don't know because
1: that's usually successful
0: but i don't know if that's successful yet within if, if that's successful in certain categories where uh i don't know what because
1: I mean, even stuff even for the most part the martin lawrence comedies those are kind of old now
0: yeah i mean i don't even yeah he's not really doing anything i mean this to me out of all his canon at the time this is the most crossover, as you know, it's 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 a romantic comedy. It's uh, not necessarily
1: uh, well. I mean, I would say things like Forty Eight Hours and Beverly Hills. No, I'm saying cop. of
0: like of a comedy kind of a stamp, yeah. you know. I mean, because like I mean, I mean, Boomerang is a classic as well, but Harlem Nights kind of goes, you know. I guess you know that's a, a retelling of like you know the, the the in the 30s in Harlem, you know, the gangster era of that kind of a thing. Where this is very much where it doesn't set up any people you know you're not you know, it's not like oh black or white issues never brought up you know yeah, it's very, yeah. you know what I mean like I, I enjoy that that there's no kind of you're not trying to get a message across you know I mean there's there's jokes in here that I think are completely politically incorrect that you know you wouldn't see today mm-hmm. you know also uh, for this being is this I guess this would be an R movie uh, the stuff that like I you know my best friend saw this in the theater in 1988 I remember him coming back yeah. the next day and we're in the uh in the uh recess were outside in the field and he's like saying, quote and the movie like, Fuck you too." <laughs> he's like, you know, telling me these jokes. So then yeah, yeah. you think like, you know, kids are watching it at that young age and then like they're seeing all these news y'all. a pretty this, big movie. This was like a crossover for, for our generation. It didn't really matter. Like, you know, even though there's all this swearing in it, there's all this kind of um you know salacious topics there's oh yeah you know, well that didn't matter back yeah that's then. what i mean say like, so it's so i don't know i think your question to come back to that is maybe people wouldn't watch it because there's so much more of like uh helicopter parenting or people are worried about content yeah where i think it's funny like where they don't give two shits about like graphic violence in video games or on television or in movies but if it's has to do with maybe like sexuality or race or whatever or profanity. That is the stuff that's a little more yeah. focused And the, you know. We
1: should note that we're not parents and so we don't hang around with too many parents.
0: <laughs> so this is speculation. At least yeah. for me, it's speculation. Well, from what I see, <laughs> yeah. From what I see in my day to day life, it, this is what I hear. That this is the kind of the trends where people are a little more anal about what their children are are watching per se.
1: Yeah, I guess I just was w- wondering. I guess I just was thinking about it because. You know, things like Black Panther, um, Get Out. Yeah. You know, there seems to be this rise of really great entertainment that is geared towards an African-American audience. But when you look back, there's so many great, especially comedies. Yeah. And then in the seventies of course the black exploitation and stuff like that. So I just you know, I just I just because I don't because I don't have kids and I and so we don't have uh play dates and I get don't talk to other parents and yeah. stuff. I guess I was just curious, like, do kids watch this kind of stuff? And I don't mean in terms of like what you're talking about in terms of like the racy uh language or sexuality, but just in terms of Is that kind of cross-pollination of racial comedy, you know, non-existent the way it was when we were
0: little? I think to that, I think you're probably right. Or I would say that I don't think people would necessarily be exposed to this because there's so much out there nowadays. There's so much content either on uh, streaming services or... I mean, I don't even think people go really go to the movies that much, you know, so I don't know if... You know, back in our day, it was a little more confined. You had a little, uh, you know, kind of a uh, one, two, or three, you know, what you want to see, where now there's so many options. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You if just slip through the crowd. Yeah, you know, I don't know, if, cause, because since there's back in the day, there was only a couple things you could do with your kids or what you wanted to go see, that you were a little more apt to see this stuff, where now... There's so much you can do. And also, it's so much easier where you don't, your kid doesn't have to watch what you're going to watch. You yeah, can yeah. just put a tablet in front of his face, put him in another room, go put him in the bathroom with the other TV. You know, it's like, you know. It,
1: yeah, I mean, I should also note that I ask questions like this in my personal life and stuff like that, like un, with knowing that, you know, that honestly, like in a lot of ways, I'm. An ignorant white person, you know, mm. it's out. It's mostly out of curiosity, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know. So, mm. so if anyone's like, "Well, you, you know," it's it's because I know that, you know, I'm I'm ignorant to a lot of things that aren't in my day to day life. So, yeah, I'm also just curious in general about what is happening in other communities and cultures and stuff because I realize that. I think a lot of us live in kind of a bubble, you know. Especially now, We get up, we go to work, (laughs) you know, and you see the same people every day. You like what you like, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's hard, especially when you're an adult, to to be able to explore things. When you're a kid, you don't have responsibilities. Yeah, it's you know, it's and it's also probably partially because we're still developing, our brains are just. Sponges. Well, you
0: don't, yeah, you don't have that framework of what, what you, you know, so you're much, almost more open to stuff and, and, yeah. you know, and checking stuff out. I mean, this is, and it's weird because just it, a lot of this doesn't. It's never to me been, like, uh, I don't know, it, you know, it, I guess it is coming from another perspective, like you're saying from from a white point of view. It's just, it, I don't look at and I'm not I'm not saying like you do, but I don't yeah, look yeah. at things like on a race perspective. Well, you know? yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I feel certainly like that's- when I was a
1: kid, it never occurred to me. And I but feel but like not, that's
0: bantered about nowadays. Like people are like, you know, I, I certainly hear that from people like, well, you know, say, well, you know, you have no authority to speak about this because you're not that ethnicity where yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm just, hey, I'm in, hey, man, just what the hell. I also wonder you know, with
1: today's day and age of sensitivity of things. Oh, well, that's where I think- if, that's why just this a lot of this would be thought of as being in poor taste. Oh, I
0: yeah, <laughs> I I agree with that sentiment, and that's why I brought up the disclaimer where it's like if we you know talk about see like, you know nowadays it it seems like you can I think you, there there's an argument to be made where if you wanted to signal out anything or anybody you could do that and and find anything wrong with anything. So if you're looking to you know I don't know not take somebody down, but if you're looking to 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 try to look into the past and find things now and look at it from from your your, your sensibilities of today you can find fault with anything so if you go revisit some of Eddie Murphy's stand up stuff particularly yeah. delirious and raw where he's uh, throwing the word faggot around all the time it's yeah, like you yeah. know that's not going to people you know so and then what personally you know my own slice of philosophy it's like what anno- it angers or annoys me is then when people nowadays try to then bring today's you know, uh, um, kind of uh, they judge it through today's lens. Yeah, and not take into account the morality of today, is, and then you start. You, you don't, can't undo what's already been done. Yeah, or you don't realize <laughs> the context of the error it's in, or the historical value. If you don't, if you're not a student of history or of the era, if you hear something out of context, it's going to sound this one way or the other so that when you go back and trash stuff or you say well you know that should have never but you know because I like I said I think you can do that with anything you can like I just heard Spike Lee say you know F you to John Ford and John Wayne you know because they did westerns in the 50s and it's just it's like I <laughs> you know it, it's just this slippery slope where you start throwing things out and I don't agree with all that you know and it's just and you know and we, are, we have a fun show we never really get serious we're always joking around so occasionally when we do, we try to say the right things and we don't, you know, say things that are going to... You know. Disclaimer,
1: disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. No. what's also interesting about this movie is that it is our second John Landis movie
0: Yeah, in sh- just yeah. a few months. And it's the other side of the John Landis because we're always bringing up John Landis in the Twilight Zone. And it's funny <laughs> that, that we did Blues Brothers back in the summer with uh, Mike Vanderbilt and that's pre-Twilight Zone and then uh, this is done post-Twilight Zone.
1: Now, is this during the period of... Because there was a period of time post-Twilight Zone, the movie... And one day, we'll get to it.
0: And if people don't understand that reference, it's because they did a live-action version of Twilight Zone, and they, and they did... No, well,
1: even Twilight Zone was live-action. I'm sorry. They did a, li- <laughs> a
0: big-screen version of Twilight Zone, the movie, in, in, like, 83, I think it is. And uh, they did various... Directors did various installments in and, and the Landis uh, little... Uh, There's a bunch
1: feature. of controversy and, and law-oriented things revolving around the Landis...
0: Yeah, well, he killed Assection. three people uh, on set during the during the filming. He killed uh, actor Vic Morrow and then two small children. And then after that, there was this huge court battle uh, that ensued ensued during the eighties. And then when that was over, there was a minute where people thought John Landis's career might be over, or yeah. uh, certainly on the on the ropes, so to speak.
1: And then, but you know, there were things like Three Amigos. Yeah, well, that I think is this, right before this, which helped where bring I him back. feel like
0: it was. He was He was It wasn't being
1: publicized so, that it was yeah, John Landis material. John Landis.
0: Yeah, I mean I I was ignorant probably to the fact that when I was like I knew John Land the first probably the the first time I knew John Landis, aside from like you know, you know American werewolf in London, but for seeing him was they used to play the shit out of the Thriller video on MTV. And then they would play the shit out of the making of the Thriller video, yeah. and that little making of featurette um, had John Landis all over it. So that's when I first saw this guy with these big glasses and a beard, and he's, he always has a smile on his face. And then, uh, you know, I, and then you associate him with the Blues Brothers. In I these wonder movies. if that's
1: why, you know, it, typically you have in the credit, opening credits, you have uh, a John Landis, a, a so right. and so production, which is usually the producer. Yeah. And then you have a so-and-so film, and that's usually the director. Now see here with this movie, this opens, it was an Eddie Murphy production, yeah and it was a John Landis. It was a Landis and uh, Faly film, yeah, whereas his, pr- his producing partner for this movie, George Joseph Falsey Jr., didn't co-direct the movie. He was just a producer. But I wonder if they did that double film. To try to shield to him the a little from Landis.
0: Yeah, I mean, I never even knew. In retrospect, thinking, I don't think of those pro- like I don't think of this as a Landis property. I think of it as an Eddie Murphy property. Yeah, I don't think of Three Amigos as a Landis property. I think of it being you know uh, Chevy Chase and Martin Short and uh, what is it, Steve Martin? Yeah. You know? And then even after that, I couldn't tell you if I I can't think of going through his filmography. I know he did what Young Blood. That that mm-hmm. the innocent blood,
1: innocent blood, and yeah.
0: then he does. I know he did at some point Blues Brothers two thousand, and he did Beverly Hills Cop three, which was kind of a flop. But I don't know really his his catalog past uh, the mid eighties. You know, Trading Places is you know we know John Landis, and then after that, which the I think Stupids?
1: maybe he directed that.
0: He might have, yeah. So yeah. it's
1: well, I mean, it's weird with his catalog because you do think because so many of his movies have such iconic talent. In yeah, them. Animal
0: House, and so the, you get
1: Animal House, but even. Uh, Kentucky Fried Movie. Kentucky Fried Movie. That's great. it's it's great, but it's got that Zucker thing. Like yeah. he's almost like a hired gun on that. And so I don't think a lot of people think of that as a land, or even realize that Land directed that.
0: movie Yeah, I f- I find that more that I I associate his stuff prior to the Twilight Zone movie as Land is helm yeah. properties, but including the, Blues, the thriller.
1: But I think I guess I don't know. I think for us maybe we can we think of the Blues Brothers as being. A Landis movie, but I think in most cases it's a John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd movie. Yeah, like it's a it's a Blues Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, it's not a John Landis movie. I think for people like us that are so fascinated with what's happening behind the the camera, you know, we yeah. know that John Landis directed it, but I I wonder if people that are just not as interested in that and just interested in movies for you know for movie value yeah for entertainment value who
0: well, we don't even know who a director or whatever yeah. yeah they just look at it as the talent the stars in it um certainly when he does i think that if I if uh, my history is correct I think he does a Twilight Zone and then he goes right into doing trading places and that's he's doing trading places during the ensuing kind of court battle because he right kind of like revitalizes the career of Don amici and also um uh, Ralph Bellamy, and then Donna Michi starts showing up every day at the well, trial to support him. Does that mean that him.
1: Thriller was after or before? Before, because that's a lot of shit for 1983. Isn't Thriller 1983?
0: Yeah. Oh, eighty two, eighty three. You know, so he. I think he did that right after he does so American I think Wolf in London. This is eighty three. I thought that's eighty four. Oh. Well. Because then it's four years later he's doing that. Well, I mean, I'm sure even if it comes yeah, out in it's 84, it's, he's a he year busy. before. Let's just put it this way. He was you know? busy. Hey, well, that, until <laughs> that ground to a halt. You know? and, then, yeah. and then I think, if I remember correctly, I think Three Amigos is like 87, and this is 88. And then, like I said, I don't know what he does after that. Um, and Eddie Murphy's big at the time too, you know? And, yeah, this, yeah. and then, I mean, this, this comes out, and Eddie Murphy's like, at the top of the world, come like the late 80s. Well, yeah, I mean, this is kind of at the height of his powers I you mean
1: know, He was with Trading Places And Beverly Hills Cop And 48 Hours And of course Saturday Night Live Yeah It was He was like a rocket Be- Beverly <laughs> Hills shooting Cop Shooting two and He was a sho- you know, shooting star You know By the time this happened He was He had all that Golden
0: Child You know <laughs>
1: Good old Golden Child Golden Child,
0: Child. <laughs> Harlem Nights Which is my favorite Now that's favorite. a movie
1: Golden Child is a movie That I haven't seen
0: Since it was on MT- uh, the, uh, the MTV MTV Not MTV <laughs> The movie channel Yeah <laughs>
1: I saw last time I saw that movie. I used to go to a uh, daycare, um, especially in the summers, because my mom was a single mom, and if I wasn't staying at my grandmother's house, we would go. My mom would take me to this daycare, and then sometimes, especially when it was rainy out, we would watch movies. Mm. And I remember there was this little room that had VCR, and we would all uh, jam into this little room and. The coffee table or the table in front of the sofa in that room was a giant, was a wooden like spool that I guess that oh, yeah, the telephone had, companies, yeah, used to. yeah. I,
0: yeah. I, my grandfather did the same thing you put it on its side, it's a table, now, yeah, yeah. Of I always
1: remember that, and I remember we Everybody. watched
0: The Golden Child, which is is that a movie for <laughs> your that
1: age group? Probably, you know, that's another example. I, I of, don't think it is, but. <laughs> You know, how old must I have been? Uh, Whatever was movie. That 88, I, right? It was so probably it, a new release. 87? You know, when that movie came out, it was probably a new release. So so you're like, what are you, eight, nine? Maybe eight. You know? Yeah, I'm watching that at daycare. Yeah. <laughs> Group of kids.
0: Watching, I mean, <coughs> I don't think it's too controversial, but it's, I remember it being kind of, you know, I don't know if they're swearing, there's that big demon at the end by that, the yeah, the, yeah. the guy, the English actor. I For me, Eddie Murphy, growing up, it's like... um first i knew him from saturday night live and uh i love like you know his bits on saturday Night live growing up and seeing that by the time when we were children it was in syndication those skits he did and then uh certainly the controversy i mean people to realize that when when he hits saturday Night live lauren michaels and the entire cast end up leaving they leave the show for a couple years and it's eddie murphy's hired and uh, Joe Piscopo is hired, and they're kind of credited with keeping Saturday Night Live alive in those years.
1: Gilbert Gottfried was also in that yeah. cast,
0: though he didn't do much. Well, and then at, so then you lose the from I think it's like eighty one to eighty two or eighty to eighty one, the entire cast is dropped aside from Joe Piscopo and, and, and Eddie Murphy, and they have a team up there where you have them doing like Buckwheat is shot. You have uh, Eddie Murphy doing Mister Robinson's Neighborhood. You have. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy doing Gumby, you have the two of them doing Frank Sinatra and Stevie Wonder. Yeah. I mean, this is a very fruitful time, and this is a time now where I I see Joe Piscopo quite a bit on my day job, and I've said to him, you he, he could never do those jokes now, and he agrees. You can't do, like, I am black, you are white, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I am white, you are black, and I am white, you are blind as a bat, and I have sight, you know, like that. And he says, like, and he says something like, you know, here they go, Negro. Like, you couldn't do that stuff now. So, He's huge on Saturday Night Live, and then I guess in '83. I mean, and and also he's born in 1961. Yeah. So you think he's like 19? You think how old he is? He's like 19 when he gets to Saturday Night Live, and then he gets 48 Hours is like 1982. So he's what he's like 21 in 48 Hours, and to me, he doesn't look like he's that young. And then by like I think '83, he comes out and he does Delirious, and Delirious is his first stand-up comedy, and that thing is so classic. When I was little going over to my friend Martin's house. He had snuck from his brother's the tape version of Delirious, which is called The Comedian. And I remember this was so... like. You hear people talk about that grew up in the '60s and '70s. That like when you're trying to listen to like like uh, Lenny Bruce or uh, Richard Pryor or Red Fox, that you'd go downstairs and you'd have to, like sneak listening to the record out in like the basement or whatever. That's how we felt with the Eddie Murphy comedian tape. We had to keep it really low. Martin's like, I got it. We gotta go. So we shut the door. I'm like, You know, we're trying to be real quiet. We put it on, and it was some of the most like salacious and scandalous comedy I've ever heard. But I had grown up on Bill Cosby, and I to this day love Bill Cosby's uh, the comedy, his stand-up is amazing and he was a clean, never swore never talked about controversial topics it was a lot about him growing up as a child or then his marriage and having kids and then you come out and this is probably the first time I was exposed to the other side of the coin and I'm uh, full disclosure not really a fan of people just swearing for swearing sake or yeah. talking about you know well you know what you know what's stupid about white people or stupid about black people like i don't i don't go for that but in these situations were like especially with say uh, a richard pryor or an eddie murphy this was just so funny to me and Delarius has like these classic sketches like the ice cream man and bigfoot and uh uh talking about gay people where he's talking about, you know, if, what if Mr. T was gay or the honeymooners were gay. Like, this blew my mind. It was, well, you know, what do you like a 10-year-old at this point? You know, and yeah. then he comes out after that with Raw, which is the sequel which they film and it's a big budget released movie and all that. And a lot of people don't find that ass funny. It has funny sketches in it where he's talking about, you know, Italians going to see, like, Rocky, you know, and he's like, oh, you just saw Rocky, you know, like, but, uh, then him then having this you know then Beverly Hills Cop comes out and that's a freaking runaway hit he does Golden Child that's a runaway hit so when he gets to coming to America and this comes out it's like he is doing no wrong he can write a blank check and just you know uh, take that stuff home until I'd say the mid 90s where he kind of seemed like his career was kind of flagging a little bit you know and then he does Metro which I really liked in the late 90s but didn't really do any well and it wasn't until he started doing these frayers family-friendly kind of movies yeah. that he really hits it out of the park again in, in making these, you know, financially successful and commercially successful blockbusters. You know, but it's... It, this The evolution of him going from, like, this such a raunchy, you know, like Red Fox, uh, Richard Pryor kind of a comedian to, like, this full turnaround in the... In the nineties and into the two thousands of being like the voice of the donkey and Shrek. Sure, yeah. Or doing all the d- Nutty Professor and uh Haunted Honey uh, Haunted Mansion and you know, Norbert and all these movies that are that are completely I mean, I think like the last I mean he did Life with Martin Lawrence which is kind of in this vein of coming to America yeah. but then after that he's done one or two like he did Dream Girls which is not comedy at all and he was nominated for Yeah. he did that Tower Heist which I never saw in 2011 which I think was kind of a comedy yeah, you know yeah. Bowfinger he did in the, mid, the late 90s yeah, which yeah, I saw in the theater which was yeah, funny I always that you know? but he did Life in like I'd say 2000 or 2001 which I thought was hilarious which I haven't seen since then so it's such a crazy journey Eddie Murphy has because he gets fame at such a young age and you don't realize he's making so much money in his twenties and that, you know, it's like, why do you even need to, you know, keep, you can just retire, you know, you yeah. just, just live off your, resi- he had a recording career. <laughs> right, well, that
1: there's a, you know? there's a thing with a uh, special, I mean, I, I'm sure it still happens today, but I just, because it's our generation where actors or performers that get so much fame in, in the eighties or even before, like I mean, Bruce Willis had a yeah, he had a song out, <laughs> had an album you know, out. I mean, in the seventies, Eddie Murphy put an album out. But uh, you're right, that happened. You David Soul sang songs. Yeah, Richard Travolta Richard had a, Harris, had a Albert Finney.
0: You go back, Robert Mitchum. Any but Telly Savalas had a very successful singing career. It's like it seems like, I you know in the forties in into the fifties, if you were even if you were a straight straight actor, anybody you know, Kurt Kurt Russell. You know, like, can yeah. you sing? Fuck it. We're going to make yeah, a singing record. Yeah, but he was record, a Disney you know? kid, so but, I <laughs> mean, but I mean, it lends itself to this idea of that, like, you know, they're going to try you in any venue, yeah. you know, and then that also goes to the flip side where they're having Bobby Darren act in movies and Ricky Nelson act in movies, trying to give these guys like a, uh, like, Sinatra was able to successfully transition into having a uh, an acting career that stood alone
1: yeah. next to
0: a singing career. I mean, you could probably find people nowadays or in the time we grew up in the 80s that had that same kind of a trajectory that they had a like David Hasselhoff was the biggest thing since sliced bread in Germany for singing. Yeah. And he was his big comeback or transition toward to make him huge here was the day that OJ was on the highway in the Bronco chase. Yeah. So with I, a pay-per-view special. Yeah, so everybody was bought the pay-per-view to go watch the uh, David Hasselhoff sing like I think like at the Berlin Wall or something. Yeah. And then because this breaking news of OJ in the white Bronco going down the highway, what is it, the 485 or whatever. I think highway, today the equipment you know, is He's a career co- took off here.
1: You know, there are so many rappers that have made that transition.
0: Yeah, off. because, and again, that's that's what you see probably like with rock and roll guys. You know, Chris Christopherson or Bob Dylan. You know, Jack. Yeah, you know, Mc- Mick Jagger, <laughs> you know. you
1: Sting ha- was trying to do it there for a know, while. You know, David
0: Bowie had a successful career. Yeah. A lot of these people had these, you know, if you can, I think at any point, if the world's your oyster, if you can, if you're successful and you're a face and you can act, you know, sh- shit you know, it can go either way, but it's, so Eddie Murphy, getting back to him, it's like, in the, you know, he was doing everything in the, you know, uh, it's insane, you know, and then he has these partnerships where he's, him and Joe Piscopo, they're tight during, doing Saturday Night Live, and they do that, and then they leave Saturday Night Live, and they never really do anything again, and then he starts doing this stuff, and he, you know, hangs out with Arsenio, he does a couple movies with Arsenio Hall, and they're, they're the, they're really tight, and then there's this big, Estrangement between the two which you can maybe get to later on and Arsenio has the Arsenio Hall show which is huge in the late 80s into the early 90s in our in our formative years until it was abruptly cancelled for maybe dubious reasons we hear but um Coming to America coming out man I mean this was such a I mean this is still regaled today as such a, a quintessential African American movie just because it's so like pro-black pro-African you're not pandering it's not like the black exploitation films or you're not any way kind of like I mean you're satirizing I guess you know aspects of culture of of their but it's not done in a uh, a heavy-handed way, in a sense, you know, this is celebrating. You have an af- Afri- a fictional African country, that is, you know, that is still like, like you brought up Marvel's Black Panther, yeah. War. it's like, it, yeah, it's like it hasn't been touched, it hasn't been col- white colonization, it hasn't been this or that. So, I mean, and I don't even know today if, if with the PC police, would people be pissed off? Would people be get, slagging this off, saying like, why did you have to have a fictional African American or, or, I mean, an African? You know uh country why couldn't it be a real one like you know really nitpick everything yeah, in yeah. it you know but this i mean so much this is so much so that when black panther the marvel movie comes out a couple of years ago you have people dressing up as like prince Hakim and, and all these uh, you know these people from coming to america going to see uh black panther like how iconic this is you know and yeah. it, 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 it's ingrained in the culture in that way and even i think what paramount pictures that put this out they were worried they stopped doing screening test screenings well, before probably, it came out yeah, well, because they were well, worried it was going to be labeled like a black
1: movie that and I don't I just don't think the feedback was good yeah so they were really worried they didn't want to have press screenings for it yeah they had one or two right, or something yeah, and and the fee- and they were hearing that it wasn't liked so uh they were worried about having a poor opening for a weekend so by eliminating press screenings one you don't have too much bad word of mouth going on before the movie comes out, so audiences will m- are more likely to go see it just on its own merit. And two, all those reviewers that have to review it for their papers and stuff, now they have to pay to see it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: it adds to the box office yeah. for opening weekend. Of course. So, I mean, this was... Uh, just as it was getting ready to come out it was not testing well they really thought this was going to be a big flop but it ends up being like the third highest grossing movie of 1988
0: yeah and it beats out like Die Hard it beats out big it beats out um, there's a third huge movie in there that it beats out for that year Um, and it's weird too because it 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 does mix reviews critically, and maybe that's because of some of the backlash of maybe critics are just pissed that they had to go see it, but it's yeah. like you're saying it's made like what close to like three hundred million dollars worldwide or whatever and
1: I just don't think that i mean I would be surprised if comedies of this ilk, yeah. That are slightly goofy, you know, not a thinking man's comedy, yeah. you know, not witty,
0: yeah, but
1: just funny and kind of, you know, romantic, but leaning more on the comedic side,
0: like a clue, like a, like a, like a just, I just don't. Ne- I don't
1: necessarily think that they probably get reviewed well, well in general.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, you need to it's be a, a certain movie, way. You know,
1: just there's certain kinds of movies that are not that are that are thought of by <clears> many people, especially things like people like critics as being below everything else yeah, and I would imagine a movie like this probably falls you know three Migos too you know yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just they're kind of goofy and that's but it's, you know it's but then fun, the audiences love it but that doesn't have any bearing on what an audience would feel or, or how much money it'll make because people want to laugh
0: yeah I, I mean it's so funny be, and then you come to this and I had known it's see it's, it's 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 like I can't tell you why but I knew the I you know I already knew who Eddie Murphy was. Yeah. I knew who Arsenio Hall was. I don't
1: think by that point I had known who I did, I knew who Arsenio Hall was. I think when the Arsenio Hall show I start when I started watching that I knew who was he was. That was and then you went
0: because back. Because of of coming to America. Yeah, I was like oh
1: that's the guy from coming to America.
0: <laughs> from a very young age I realized uh maybe because watching the credits he did the voice of um of uh Winston on uh Real Ghostbusters, the cartoon show. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: And uh, maybe that's where I made the correlation because, and it's which funny. There is Dan Aykroyd wrote the original Ghostbusters script for Winston to be played by Eddie Murphy, but then uh, we did a whole cast on this on the Ghostbusters movie. But I think he Eddie Murphy couldn't get out of his thing because he was doing maybe the first Beverly Hills Cop, so they recast and they had Her- Ernie Hudson, and then that's why you get. Maybe the park gets shimmied down. We talked about this on the good. Uh, the, yeah. the go listen to our yeah, Ghost Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters cast. So they, sh- they shimmy Eddie uh, Ernie Hudson's roll down to be less comedic. So everything out of his m- mouth is like a is like a punchline, and then and what ends up happening is then when you go to the cartoon show, you have Arsenio Hall playing that character, Ernie Hudson's character, yeah. which is especially supposed to be an Eddie Murphy character. And I don't know offhand how they became friendly, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall per se. Uh, I know like Paul Abdul. Um, she was coming up, up and coming uh, right before she had her pop career, she was doing a lot of choreography and she had met, she meets Arsenio Hall on the set of this movie, Coming to America, because she choreographs all the dance stuff, and they become an item for a minute, and then Paul Abdul goes on to choreograph the doors she does all like the Val Kilmer bits and that and stuff, and then she ends up having a career of her own for a while there, and she was, when we were growing up, she was almost as big as Madonna, as a pop singer and stuff, and then she kind of Segwayed into doing like the American Idol stuff that a lot of people may sure. know her now,
1: you know, since we're talking about that aspect of this movie, um, I want to say it's interesting to watch this movie for this podcast so close to the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Because I found the, uh, the it's training it. sequence between Arsenio Hall and, uh. Eddie Murphy and the backflips and stuff. Yeah, just the way it's shot and everything, very reminiscent of the church sequence. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Blues Brothers, and then I found the big giant dance sequence where they're going to introduce him to his wife. The, the marriage, that, yeah, the arranged marriage. Yeah, that, that Apollo Abdul that choreographed. To me, there's so much. I think it's just his. It's John Landis's shooting style so much of that reminded me of the Your tail feathers oh outside Ray right? charles's place yeah <laughs> number of the right like there was all these flashbacks. I was like oh like i this feels like the blues brothers to me well somebody
0: said they that landis even reappropriated the dance sequences from thriller that he used with michael the zombies and they just like sped it up tempo and then used those dances to a certain extent for that big dance sequence where these people come in and that he's going to meet his arranged um, marriage. It's funny because we always bring up the 80s and how the, the 80s were so different from now in the sense of, like, you know, there's always, like, playboy jokes with kids or there's topless and all that, where the raunchiness of, like... The comedy in here where you have, having you know um, the royal penis is clean yeah. you know the, <laughs> these amazing you know, one of the best asses you've ever seen comes up out of the water and then the other girl comes out with the, the, the best breast you've ever seen yeah. and she's like yeah, I'm just sure these are all hand picked and then you know um James Earl Jones later, like, you know, aren't you having sex with your concubines? I did. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. this stuff that, like, back in the day, it's like, you know, you take a movie like uh, The Richard Pryor Vehicle, The Toy with Jackie Gleason. That was like a kid's movie geared to kids that I saw as a kid when it came out sure. with Ned Beatty. But you go watch that. There's so many sex jokes in that. And his his wife in that is like this big bustled woman that just gets on a machine that shakes all the time and her breasts are on display or his oh, name is Masturbates, we, you even know. Even a
1: couple summers ago when we did... Uh summer vacation?
0: Yeah. Yeah, John Candy, which Candy. which is like right... Before or after John, uh, the Ghostbusters cast. Yeah, yeah. I think we recorded that the same day. Well, there's
1: even that, you know. That was a that was real a kid s- family movie. But there was some.
0: Oh, her, like, about getting her, her plastic surgery <laughs> yeah. out of It's so weird. It's so <laughs> endemic. Oh, look at Splash. It's like that was a Disney movie. And there's, like, kind of almost sex references where you're trying to see if she gets. You see her naked in the yeah, water yeah. Or on El, on uh, Liberty Island. It's funny because it's like these the good, are. The good old. Days. Yeah, it's like what you <laughs> used to be able to get away with, you know? It's just weird because you have these these properties or, or these movies or the things that are made for children in mind but then they're like well parents are going to be here too so let's throw some sex well, jokes in. Well since you
1: brought this up I mean this happens later in the movie so I mean we're, g- we're going to jump around here but there's the scene towards the end of the movie yeah. when I guess James Earl Jones and stuff that, I guess do they come to the restaurant well, anyways, Louie Anderson walks in on John Amos. Yeah. And he's looking at the, yeah, Mc- the McDonalds Yeah, the McDonald's uh, May training manual. And I never noticed before because, I mean, it's been at least 25 yeah. years since I don't know. It's like, I wonder if there's some cutout thing where he looks at, like, porn magazines.
0: And then t- they, they've... They because he in. acts
1: like he they caught like louis anderson walks on walks in on him looking at something he shouldn't be looking at
0: well it is because as the whole joke is the entire movie he's trying to say that it's mcdowell's not mcdonald's and there's no similarity there but then little do you know he's actually got it he's snuck out of mcdonald's training man oh. you know? and he's reading the McDonald. and then he's like it's like he's getting their trade secrets and he's like oh no you know you know like like you know well i want to write over <laughs> my head This be like, too late Cause you know the whole McDo- that's what, a little too <laughs> late. Yeah, it's, you you might have even dozed I thought one. maybe it was had like a like a Playboy. In oh, that, no, in that, in that it's, binder. It's the whole joke. It's like it's because it's McDowell's with the he. Yeah, have, yeah, They have the golden arches. We have the golden. I, I just, just didn't, didn't
1: realize that it was a,
0: it's a the, the,
1: that it was a McDonald's binder. yes because yeah. it's so similar to the McDowell's
0: thing. It says like McDonald's training manual or something, and he's reading it, and he's like, you know, um and that's see, that's my everybody. And so getting back, everybody I knew, like well, to a certain extent, in this movie. I mean, yeah, well, John Amos. That's what I'm saying. I knew good times. It's like seeing him in this, and it's... And probably at that point, I mean,
1: I know we weren't really alive for it, but at that point, I might have seen... Roots? Roots. Either in school Oh, sure. Or it was all over the television this, when we
0: were little. You know, or... Yeah. or that's how we knew the Cuda Kente jokes, when he's yeah, like, yeah. it's Cuda,
1: it's Cuda Kente, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, you know, good times.
0: Like, yeah, he's amazing. He's the fatherly figure on good times, and he's usually playing the straight role, and that was another reason why he kind of left the... the The show because he got so fed up because he at the time of what was going on in in black comedy uh, in the 70s on television I think like Norman Lear helm productions a lot of them was kind of silly and Good Times for the first couple seasons was really almost being a um, social commentary on what was happening really in the inner cities or, or in Chicago and at the same time conversely jimmy walker's jj is is becoming the sensation they just get, started giving him stupid lines to just have the punch like down on and esther roll and john amos were like no we want we stop playing to dumbass jokes for him let's keep this so he, i think he got so mad that he ended up leaving or not coming back or they yeah, fired yeah, him yeah. and that's how they had to write him out so to see him then come in this where he's near the end of this movie i think he just to me just he he, he um uh, he, he steals the show, you know. Where, where, once he realizes that that uh, Eddie Murphy's coming for money, or he's getting the soul glow, kids, <laughs> he, you know. Yeah. A, and then, like no, at the end, when great. he steps in, you know, when he steps in, when they're like at the wedding, and he comes up with that big smile on his face. <laughs> like I've I always, just, I've always liked him. I mean, uh, Die Hard too, amazing. You know, when he's yeah, the, yeah. The, the army officer, he's got a lot of great. You know,
1: I, I've always liked John Amos, and so it's it's fun to see him be so fun. Yeah, in it's, this movie, he's
0: not pl- he's playing like in. in People may not also know he's only like eight or nine years older than Jimmy Walker, so it's funny to see he's playing JJ's father yeah. when he's only there's only like a you know like an eight or nine year old. But if you look at the two of them, he clearly looks like the dad, and <laughs> JJ looks like you know the you know yeah. which is funny how you think about people when they cast people for age, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. And
1: he's so good in this. Oh, he's
0: just I mean everybody. That's the thing. When Even when he's
1: going up and down the stairs because. uh the boyfriend is outside and yeah there's one one take where he trips and he falls yeah and, then and he,
2: he gets up, up. he's <laughs> like
0: <laughs> he keeps looking yeah he plays and, i mean it's so and then there's i mean there's just so many little jokes this is a movie that like you know the more you watch it the more you pick up on and that's why i think it's become this cult sensation especially like the barbershop stuff yeah is like like groundbreaking comedic you know uh it's it's like you never saw that before you know you I mean you could I'm sure there's an argument to be made that the whole barbershop film franchise that Ice Cube did and yeah, Cedric the Entertainer originated from this or yeah. at the very least
1: or was inspired by the culture that also inspired this yeah, this.
0: yeah there, there, there's, there's yeah. such a like you know the, to, to, to go into the black barbershop is like that's like going for people you know you, you go see the, the people you go see your neighborhood you see your friend it's like sitting on the stoop you know and you talk about stuff and that's something that uh, people still do in the community, which is good. Which, which I don't know if there's an equivalent for. I mean, like you, know, you couldn't say church for for other, you know, uh, ethnicities or whatever. I don't know what, but it's something that is really true to form. That you know, you're able to congregate, have it be a nice environment where it's it's almost like going to the bar and having a drink. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I would say that as, I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I would say that there was a period of time probably maybe around this time and earlier where that barbershop kind of mentality was probably not exclusive to the african-american
0: community no you're
1: right yeah yeah like Italian yeah uh, yeah you know, Italian neighborhoods yeah I
0: grew up in an older older generation, generation. yeah out,
1: you know there'd just be people sitting in there in a barbershop just yeah, hanging out and and yeah yeah I, I
0: agree with you there yeah and, and now it it seems as if we gotten older and a lot of those um they've gone out of business and uh you know black owned businesses like barbershops are still uh you know uh servicing the community you don't have like super cuts and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah you know that it you're still getting that culture surviving that that um that little segment sliver of life is still surviving there but i mean and this is the first time too you have them i mean landis introduces eddie murphy to rick baker and it's a ingenious pairing because they go on to do these, uh, you know, uh, whole series of films where they play. It's like him doing Peter Sellers yeah. stuff. This is kind of the first. This is not kind of. This is the, the first, first instance yeah. where Eddie
1: Murphy plays multiple characters in a movie. And I
0: wonder if people were ignorant of that at the time. I remember trying to like going seeing this and trying to pick out. Okay, which which one is who's Arsenio? Who's Eddie Murphy? You know, and they play. I I don't know. I didn't count here, but they play like a. You know, three or four people each in the movie, yeah. and it's so good. I mean, I mean, just the when they go to the what is it like the, the 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 Black History uh, the Awareness meeting, or you know, where they see sexual chocolate play, <laughs> and I mean that's just all that. And then the Reverend, I mean, I mean, it's just all his like uh, Arsenal like I'm not gonna preach to that, but people, I'm gonna say, and he gets right into it. like it, it's just I I just can't hold it. Sh- it's just it's so funny. And then the other guy coming out. um you know, sexual chocolate and him trying to sing the song. What does he sing? Like the 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 uh, Jackie Wilson song, maybe "Greatest Love." And he's like, "Yeah," and he's so bad with "I'm the Greatest Love." Time. You know, like you know yeah. and no one wants to sing for him. And then, like, except that one guy, like these, these boys are good. I mean, it's just so funny that it's like. I guess it plays on the stereotypes, and you know, and then even for years, I I couldn't wrap my head around Eddie Murphy being the old Jewish guy in the in the, in the in the barbershop, shop, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the, you know, I could, I could see him as the one, the one guy, the barber. I could see Arsenio, but it, and you know, and then that other, the third guy always was like, is it one of them? They <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, you know, and he's not, you know. It I turns never... out
1: he's just a, his name's Clint. Let me see. Let me get my notes. <clears throat> uh, his name is Clint Smith, and apparently he was just a, he's a childhood friend of Eddie Murphy's, and That's he's amazing. been Eddie Murphy's best friend for years. Since they were kids, and I think even now, maybe even runs an aspect of his business or something. Yeah, I think he was the just, empire. He was just his friend,
0: and so he they just threw
1: him in makeup and made him the
0: third guy in the barber shop. I mean, it's brilliant. It's 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 weird too because I you know only say watching the Dave Chappelle show um, ten years or so ago now when that was huge we were introduced to Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother. Yeah. But then when you go back and watch, especially Harlem nights, you see Charlie Murphy's all over Harlem nights, you know? And uh, I think he actually helped Eddie Murphy, maybe co-write Harlem nights. And that's another thing where you think of Eddie Murphy, uh, wrote this. Did he produce this as well? As well, he's he saying, he has,
1: he's credited as the story for this. movie. Yeah. And then there's other writers and then, but there's controversy, yeah.
0: but he, he says he's almost, Going to direct this movie, but then that's he says, "I'll, J I'll John Landis to direct it." But then after this, he goes and he produces, writes, and directs the next year, yeah. *Harlem Knights.
1: Well, I mean, he must be a producer on this because it opens with an Eddie Murphy production. Yeah,
0: I mean, because at that time, that you know, we 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 had talked about it in in prior casts. He was gonna, he was a huge Star Trek fan, so they they would written star Trek four with him in mind to be the character they were going to meet when they go back in time. But then Paramount was like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, as big as a franchise, as star Trek is for us. Eddie Murphy's also this up and coming actor. who's going to be a franchise. So if he's in a movie that tanks, we don't want to tank him. So they quickly rewrote it and made it more, more romantic to have, uh, Kirk fall in love with the girls and the yeah. whales and all that kind of a thing. So it's, it's interesting for him to get to this where, uh, he is credited like you're saying the story of coming to america as him but then he gets the two writers that they that they use um that uh landis used on trading p- places barry Blost Blostine and david sheffield were people they were the guys who wrote trading places and that seems like a uh Uh, something anybody would do. Like if you have a good working relationship before, you just take the people again. Sure. So, uh, well, I
1: mean, I think that in doing a little bit of research for this, the guy who produced this movie or one of the producers of this movie, George Joseph Falsi Jr. uh, He worked with Landis on a lot of stuff. He was Landis's editor on, on six of his films, you know, going back to films before this one. And then he produced 11 of Landis' films altogether. But when, I love looking at people's filmographies to see what they kind of did, because this is a guy that he was uh, Landis's assistant director on some films. Like I said, he produced this, produced 11 of Landis' films, edited some of Landis' films. But also as an editor, just as, just as an editor, went on and edited uh, the Norm MacDonald, Artie Lang movie, Dirty, dirty work. work.
0: I love Dirty Work.
1: He edited Hostel 1 and 2. Wow. Uh, the Ringer with uh, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. And Hot Tub Time Machine. Which is a favorite of yours. He was an editor. Yeah. <laughs> on all those movies. So just a really interesting career for this guy to have where, because usually you see somebody, he's a producer, or he's an editor. Yeah. Or he's this, or he's that, or maybe they will then transition that into being a director. But then this guy, Went, uh, even more contemporary, is still editing it's movies. It's like, what's
0: his name? Mark Goldblatt. Doesn't he do like uh he, he's a, a big editor, also, or am I getting? I'm getting all my stuff all mixed up there. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about over there. What you talking about, Dion? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll never bring up dirty work again. But uh, it's I, I, <laughs> or if we were ever, well, but I, we I, can do dirty work. Oh, I like dirty but work. But I love the 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 little cameo Don Rickles in that, where they're with the theater owners, and he's like, oh, you're 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 laughing. I'm making fun of your fat friend. You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you say? Why don't you go get a horse and go up in the mountains and leave everybody alone? It's some of the best. <laughs> the the thing here is that you can't successfully lampoon anyone anymore. You know, you can't really make fun. Now, we live in a day and age where people are so, like, uptight or or it's like you can't do comedy. And I'm not trying to defend, say, Eddie Murphy's use of the word faggot on, you know, he's, I think, since apologized in the 90s for using, you know, and he really, like, does some heavy homosexual making fun of in, in like his stand-up, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Oh, so much so, this is where these rumors kind of come out that maybe he was bisexual or him and Arsenio Hall, there's rumors of that, that they were together back in the day and, you know, that this lead, and it doesn't help then, in the 90, in the late 90s, Eddie Murphy's pulled over with a transvestite in the car that he quote-unquote picked up to give him a ride home, yeah. and then that transvestite does this big tell-all, She's I think she's bailed out of, he, he, they're bailed out of prison. Uh, on the caveat of the old spill all the secrets and then these then they go on to say that like oh you know there's other transvestites have been servicing Eddie Murphy for all this time and then a couple years later that transvestite uh, mysteriously dies she falls to her death because she she was trying to get into her locked bedroom window by jumping over another you know uh, to another window so it's like it's hard because nowadays you can't there's jokes you just people won't tolerate you make anymore you know and, and the satirization so you can't there's it's it must be hard to be a comedian because you, people are so offended by anything you know and I getting back to your original thesis question or it's yeah. like can't I don't know if this kind of certain jokes in this movie could still ring true today yeah well you, you know,
1: know it's funny I, I was at a dinner I was at a meeting of the minds with uh, several podcasters yeah Uh Uh, James Hancock was there and Dan Pullen. James Hancock has the Wrong Reel. Dan is on uh, Four Brains One movie and and Bill Scurry. And I think James had just done uh, an episode of Wrong Reel. So it's fairly recent with somebody and I don't remember who it is, but where they were talking about modern comedies. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to You know, as a supplement to my question earlier, or kind of a uh, an addition to that, is that maybe there just aren't, they just don't make comedies like this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not talking about from from any kind of racial aspect. Just like this kind of comedy, there's just not too many of them anymore. Like he was, James was making this argument of there just aren't classic comedies anymore. I, I. but I don't think you can make that judgment because it of com because a movie doesn't become a classic until it's until later. Yeah. So you can't say <laughs> that something that comes out today is not a classic because we're not going to know it's a classic until ten years from now. I mean, there's there's such
0: nowadays anything can be controversial, and I, I wonder if certain properties would be would be kind of like shot away from because it could be deemed controversial. I mean, look at. Ten years ago, there was that 2004 Dwayne, uh, 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 Wayne's Brothers movie, White Chicks, you know, yeah. and that's deemed now to be culturally insensitive that they're in whiteface. You know, it's like <laughs> so. It's like you know, it's like you can't. Well, stuff if you, you can't, take a
1: movie that we just I just mentioned, The Ringer, with yeah. Johnny Knoxville. Th- th- that movie revolves around that he's got to fix the Special Olympics.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's like so. There's stuff. Which, by the way. It's it's a great
0: concept. For, it's a great
1: it's a great concept for a movie. It's, for a John, for a Johnny Knoxville
0: movie. It, it's it, you you wonder there's two there's two kind of avenues to look at this. Is that like I said, one you pe- you know people are just a studio or people are just going to shy away from it. We don't want to Or the other, conversely, you're going to just say I'm going to go balls out and we're going to make this thing as as scandalous or as um, controversial or offensive as can be to 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 say who cares you know and. It's like you kind of see that now with horror films w- in the sense of, you know, they'll they'll be as, you know, maybe gory or as grotesque or, or uh, brutal, quote unquote, as you could say, you know, yeah, as you could be. I
1: think we're kind of starting
0: to shy away from
1: that now.
0: Yeah, there's a cusp now where people are starting to do more of like, uh, like I guess, wheel it, reel it back a little bit from the torture well, porn. It's all, we'll,
1: you know, I think, well, horror, but I think everything comes in waves. Yeah, yeah. You know, and...
0: Something becomes and it
1: and it has a lot to do with what's going on in, in social the, wor- climate, in the yeah. world or, yeah. or in the country you know yeah. the there's no uh coincidence that the 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 torture porn aspect of horror comes post nine eleven post these reports of Guantanamo Bay and American troops torturing people. I mean, there's not a coincidence that torture porn becomes kind of the thing for the pop culture of horror at a time when torture is in the is in the news and it's a very dark time in America and all this stuff. So everything comes. It's all comes in waves or in often it's cyclical. And I mean, it, it happens with comedy too. I mean, it's you know there's the the screwball comedies of the of the 30s and 40s, and and then the, you know, then it becomes the, uh, you know, the that transitions into different kinds of comedy, and then you get the sex comedies of the 60s. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. The stuff. It, you know, everything comes in kind of waves, and so it, it's it, the the beautiful thing about art in general is that it is kind of this living, breathing thing, and and and, and it evolves.
0: I mean, even doing sex comedies today, like those 80s or 70s comedies where it was just an excuse to see naked women or whatever yeah. e- either in America or in Britain or wherever like i don't you know would, would those be done today you know like it's all you can look at everything now and say like you know there's an argument pro or against sure. or you know
1: but at the end of the day uh whether you know you have uh satirizing a, a movie like this like coming to America whether it's satirizing a certain uh culture or it's uh, a little bit um, risque in terms of sexuality or the, that, those kinds of jokes and stuff. At the end of the day, there's a very simple, tried and true comedic device, yeah. which is the fish out of water. Yeah, you know. So it's it, it's this aspect of it opens with, which is also very a very conventional thing for a film. This aspect, and I'm trying to think what movie we did. Somewhat recently, but not maybe this year, but maybe last year, where I was, I was pointing out that it's this. The story is this person who's longing for more. Rocky, for instance. Yeah. I mean, like he's this guy who sh- any of one of us could look at his life in in uh, Zamunda. Any one of us could look at his lifestyle in Zamunda, and then say, like, oh well, like especially when we were kids, to think that you would be bathed by <laughs> beautiful women, or have anything at your disposal. Uh, you know, I think that's great, but you know, he's not satisfied in this aspect of, of the arranged marriage, and being worried that he's not going to be stimulated intellectually by whoever he's supposed to marry, and realizing that that's true when he meets her, that she's really just been race her whole life to please him is something that he doesn't want. Yeah. That's not going to ultimately be what pleases him. And this aspect of like, let's go on an adventure. A treasure hunt. Yeah. We're going to find my queen. Yeah. And, try you know, c- travel halfway around the world to find love is one very romantic. Two, you know, a great simple story for a movie. And then once you get here, that fish out of water, you know, being in a uh, lower class uh, urban environment, being this rich guy from, you know, Africa.
0: (laughs) And not knowing the waves. It's
1: just, it's it's, it's got
0: comedy written all over it. It's 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 also a, a very tried and true tested idea of the man you know the the element of the guy who has everything and then he's he doesn't want this you know like that, that's something we've yeah. seen before where he doesn't want the arrangement, like you're saying it, it, well there's it,
1: always the, you know, the grass is always greener type of thing but it's also always this aspect of when everything's handed to you can
0: it really be yeah. appreciated sometimes yeah. I, you know, and it causes like, a conflict in him that he's like he wants to You know, he
1: gets up in the morning. It's his birthday. He's like, do you think I could use the bathroom by myself today? Yeah. (laughs) He's never never even wiped his own ass. That
0: that, that extravagance is played on to like an almost for the gratuitiness of like, oh, my God, like how amazing. You know, we look at it like, but then for him that he's been there. He's
1: woken up by, you know, a a live live horn section or a string section.
0: Like a string ensemble.
1: Yeah. That's how he wakes up in the morning. Dion, can we take a break for a second so that I can talk about something that's been on my mind? Sure, Blake. What's that? Food. Have you tried Green Chef yet?
0: I have, and
1: I love it. Me too, Dion. I'm always looking for delicious and easy food options. And with Green Chef, hand-picked pre-measured ingredients and imaginative gourmet recipes get delivered right to my doorstep each week. And because Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company, it is a healthier food option. Plus, their wide variety of organic ingredients are sustainably sourced. So not only does the food taste great, but I feel better about eating it too.
0: I like the way they break down their meal plans. You can choose from paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. So it makes it easy for people that adhere to specialty diets to use a food delivery service. But if you don't follow a specific diet, all the recipes taste great, so you can't go wrong. And you can change your plan at
1: any time. Last night, I made Italian-breaded pork chops. Delicious and easy. The step-by-step recipe was easy to follow, and it only
0: took about 45 minutes to make. What about you? What have you tried so far? I had the vegan Korean stir-fry, fresh ingredients that were easy to prepare, and in 30 minutes, the missus and I were sitting down to a restaurant-quality meal. And boy, was it tasty.
1: Now, all of you listening out there in the podcast ether, you can get $50 off your first box of Green Chef just go
0: to greenshef.us/sat that's right for $50 off your first box just go to greenshef.us/sat that's us.us/sat it's weird because you have one half that how um i don't know dirty some of the comedy is here or like you know the nudity or whatever or the or the content but then on the other end of it it is kind of a true story. It's a positive and, and, story. Yeah, but you, know, uh, I you mean? know, just
1: on on that note, this is not racy or n- nudity or anything like that. Compared to a lot of other stuff that that was coming out around this, time. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know no, what I mean? Like, was, it's actually pretty tame yeah. for the '80s. But by today's standards, it's certainly uh, a little bit more so than I think we would we would be used to in in a, in a what was essentially like a family comedy
0: yeah back then and it's and it holds true to like the essential story is very like a romantic comedy but pro you know you're not really you know you're not the the comedy isn't like at the sake of somebody else or you're not there's not it's not divisive no but you it's, know, it's also, very it's warm and very you sure. know sure but it's also not only do
1: you get this fish out of water but you get a little bit of that something some like it hot this like secret identity. Yeah. Having to, uh, you know, the idea of falling in love but not being able to tell the person that you're falling in love the truth because you've been lying to them the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. And in this case, uh, you know, his intentions are good but this idea of he wants her to he wants whoever he finds to love him for him,
0: and that's how old is that? That goes back to almost fairy tales, yeah, you know, like a prince or a king hide or a queen hiding what, who they really are, so the person falls in love for them who, for who they are, not for what you know yeah. their family it comes with. Like, the so riches. I mean, this,
1: it's, this movie is just yeah. this amazing, and I think that's what the staying value is. culmination of all these tried and true conventions, you know, it, things that
0: are, you know, these uh, other these other elements that have been you know already used like not a cliche but these plot devices sure I mean
1: that go back like you said I mean probably you know definitely pre film
0: yeah to be
1: able to kind of brilliantly weave all these aspects together I think you're right it's like a fairy tale it's one of those reasons. it's probably maybe one of the biggest reasons why this movie does one hold up yeah and I think two is probably still popular for a lot of people well I mean it's
0: and it's and it's it's so pro african-american which i love about it and it's it's not done in a sense where um and not you know where a guy like spike lee could do stuff or it's 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 done in a certain way to like you know have a dig or have a have a uh you know kidding around with other ethnicities you know it's, it's 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 done in such an innocent way here such a such a noble way where everybody it's inclusive it's every everybody can like it for what it is it's almost like you know you take out the swearing you take out the 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 dirty jokes and you take out the nudity you know you watch the tv version yeah you know you still have a great wholesome story that has a positive he's not just trying to fuck the girl (laughs) No. he's trying to take her home marry her and he's looking you know, for love yeah and it also you know, makes it's it uni- a very much fairy tale and know. it also
1: makes it universal yeah you I know. mean even though it's taking place in a, a particular culture yeah it speaks to all of us on a, a very pri- very primal levels but also like you said it's romantic on very romantic levels yeah you know, in terms of you know whether we've all been in love or not we all want to be in love and that's all he wants. You know, he's never really been he's never been in love
0: before. Yeah.
1: And so this idea of traveling uh to the ends of the earth for love is a very romantic notion. Yeah. And to put it in this comedic aspect is just you know, it's just it's it makes it light and it makes it fun. You know, Landis, without a doubt, is a very talented filmmaker, especially when it comes to comedy, no matter his extreme nature and his youth
0: yeah (laughs) he certainly has a grasp on how to tell a comedic story which is funny though because post this I'm sorry post the Twilight Zone one could argue probably that he does take a back seat a little bit and maybe that's from a from a um, studio's point of view where they don't want to push him up front because of his controversy but it's like going back to what we were saying before It's like I don't even look at him like, he's coasting through here as a director. Yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of his tell-tale tale aside from, like, the See You Next Wednesday stuff, or the plugs he puts in as the jokes, or the references to Trading Places. It's like, you know, you can for almost forget that it's a, a Landis Helm production, and you focus all on the main star, Eddie Murphy, sure. and then Arsenio, you know, where <laughs> the other ones I felt like he's kind of, he has a level, Animal House, or Eve to a Blues Brothers to a little extent, has a level of he his presence is kind a of lot felt. Of yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, but
1: even so, even like saying, you know, what I was saying before about those certain scenes that remind me of the Blues Brothers. He does have a style. I think it's harder to have a style in comedy than it is in other genres of uh, movies. Especially, you know, horror is probably the easiest one to be kind of an auteur. And I think that's why we have so many auteurs like John Carpenter and Argento and Cronenberg and, that have... because you know you're doing, dealing with certain things but those movies also lend themselves to being a little more stylistic yeah and being a little bit more uh, experimental in certain ways you could do things in those kinds of movies that you can't really pull off in drama something that's more straight yeah and comedy so i mean i think comedy you can't really be unless you're using it as a joke and as a stylistic choice because you're parodying another kind of movie you can't really be too flashy in style. Yeah. Because if it gets in the way of the jokes, it yeah. becomes distracting. And, and, and comedy's all about timing okay. and stuff. So you kind of have to have style take a little bit of a backseat. And so I think it is a little more difficult to have uh, like an author's voice.
0: And it's also probably a lot harder of a, of a genre than people give it credit for, where maybe uh, anybody can make a horror movie and do something scary. Like, maybe by uh, setting up, you know, by theory of, like, uh, positioning a camera here and having it yeah. look a certain way so where... You
1: can, you know, you, you can, can do a horror movie and, have, and, and, like and by play m- it by the numbers. You, yeah. know, you can have a formula. But, but it's, it's the ones that are great... that Push that, past that. ...that are yeah. able to do it without doing that are the ones that get recognized. We're Comedy, here, you, you can try to do it, but it, it'll feel contrived. You need to
0: have a joke. you need to right. have a You need to have a joke that's funny. and You need to have, like, a payoff... That's going to be funny and then you need to have be able to sustain that and have it be it's either funny or it's not you can only you know if you're in a mask a clown can only make you laugh so many times before it gets old
1: well when I you know when I'm editing uh, television shows in, in my day job and I was working on a food competition show and you try to keep it light and there's there's quote unquote jokes not in a conventional sense but uh, there would be this thing where you there was a formula to it and you, was, you would have the music and then it would stop. Then you'd have the punchline and then you'd have the music sting out. Yeah. And, and then it you was go to a, a thing, break or something. And that's what they would always force us to do. This formula. And I would always say, you know, there's a difference between comedy and reality show comedy you know reality show comedy is the the appearance of comedy but it's not comedy because it's not funny yeah <laughs> you are just editing <add> it <laughs> into that way to be comedic. it's the appearance of funny yeah it's not actually funny yeah you know and i think the there are bad comedies that are like that that are maybe taking a formulaic attitude towards comedy because you you know because so much of comedy is timing you can say you could try to uh Put that comment, put that timing on something, and, and say it's funny, but it doesn't mean it's funny. Yeah, you know, you need the talent of a guy like John Landis, a talent of a guy like Eddie Murphy that um, that is inherently funny, but also understands how comedy works, and to really make comedy shine. Yeah, and I think you're right, and and most, you know, who was, was it? Uh, Al- Lawrence Olivier or something? There's some quote from some famous actor about. Uh, acting and I don't remember what the quote is, but it has has something to do with, you know, all these other things, you know, that's that's easy. Comedies hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Comedies. Uh because you also for people that aren't inherently funny, aren't comedians, well is a perfect example. There's certain movies of Stallone's career, um uh, you know, not Oscar, because
0: I know Diaz. <laughs> <I>, I'm a <laughs> big fan of Oscar. <laughs> Where Stallone's
1: not a funny guy.
0: Like, stop him, I'm a shooter.
1: And so you can't have him play the comedy. You have to have him, you have to have act, you have to have it be played straight and let the subject matter or the direction and all that stuff be funny. You know, the Adam West uh, Batman show was a perfect example. They were
0: playing it straight. Completely yeah, straight. yeah.
1: But it was this Zadie world that they were in that made it that that kind of made it funny. Now, but the you know, on the contrast of that, you get guys like Addie Murphy and Arsenio Hall who could do uh create these amazing characters and just are inherently funny. I mean, just you know when he's meets when Eddie Murphy meets the woman that he's supposed to marry, and he and she's and she's like, I'll, you know, he's like, what's your favorite food? She's like, I like whatever kind of food you like. What's your favorite book? I like whatever. And she's like, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. And he's like, bark like a dog, yeah, bark like that one
0: yeah, bark like a bigger dog. Yeah. And then he looks at the camera. Well, that's and that's another thing here where you're doing, you're getting. There's a couple times. There's at least three times in here where they break the the fourth wall and they look at the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even there's a point I think the dog looks at the audience, you know, and Arsenio Hall <laughs> looks at, you know, I mean, there's a couple times there's where there's even it's just, the guy
1: who plays the boyfriend. I think there's even a moment for him where he so look, glow the guy yeah, so yeah. glow where yeah. he looks at the camera. Yeah,
0: it's just it's so it's it's just funny on so that's that makes it funny on so many levels that there's all these different things going on where uh it's just complex. And it's like, you know, comedy is almost like a gift where you, you know, you're almost like born with it if you have that impeccable timing. And it's weird because you have two different. You have stuff that was in the 70s and 80s now, uh, back then, that was hilarious. You go back and watch it now, like a sitcom that maybe really. T- tired slow there's like a uh, an audience track on it that's generic and you're like you know this is very cardboard cut out how did yeah. it, this even get successful then you watch something from like 60 70 80 years ago like a screwball comedy the Marx Brothers stuff that came out of vaudeville which is just as good today oh you know what I mean yeah. and it's so it's so weird like you take a show like the honeymooners has been running since it aired in the 50s it's never been off the air so I love Lucy the same way it's like there's these weird institutions that like you know, is it situational comedy? Is it uh, comedy because of the person or whatever? Or if it's, uh, you know, routines. You and I talked in the past how, you know, now going, going by the wayside is like the the guy or the girl, you know, the the the, the routine of like Abbott and Costello sure, or, you yeah. know, or uh, Lewis and Marx or... Uh, you know, um, Fisher and um, Fisher and Marks? Fisher and Marks, You know, <laughs> it's like it's it's gone now. Where you don't have two guys go up there because that was of the era of vaudeville. People needed to have you know, you're a working team. Let's work together. Martin and Lewis. Yeah, you know, so it's it's so weird how you have stuff that ages terribly. Yeah. But the other stuff that's old, but it's still just hilarious.
1: Yeah, there's this funny, there's this funny thing about comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that. Uh, maybe it's the stuff that is so of its time that doesn't last, but there are certain things about comedy that will always be funny. It transcends. You know, my brother, someone, my brother and I sometimes text about stuff because he has a son, uh, my nephew, uh, and he, you know, he'll say, you know, I don't. He's like, kids today, the, all they watch is YouTube. They watch stuff on YouTube, yeah, and reality shows, and he worries about them and. Uh, what, are, you know, what are the, cause what you are, all you really are is a collection of your interests, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what, you know, the show is, we are who we are because of the things we liked growing up, and the things we were exposed to. And if kids that are growing up today are only exposed to a certain type of things and don't take interest in other things, and you know, and I, there's a whole other aspect of this, but he was talking about at some point that he, cause kids that I don't watch, Looney Tunes.
0: Yeah. It's not on. I mean, maybe yeah. there's
1: a new version on, but
0: not for the, the most classics, part, they don't really know. Unless the the parent is bringing it to who them. Who Bugs Bunny is or whatever.
1: But my brother, I remember my brother texting me saying he just showed my nephew, a couple of years ago, showed my nephew some Looney Tunes stuff and he said, he, you know, my nephew, my nephew was laughing so hard that he almost, like, he couldn't breathe. Yeah. He was laughing so hard. And it's like, funny is funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there are certain things stylistic things about uh, sitcoms and things that maybe don't stand the test of time but there are certain things about con- comedy that are u- one universal and two will just always be funny.
0: Yeah, no matter what. I I've, I've talked to kids uh, people who I know who have children and they have showed some of the stuff, the Looney Tunes stuff to their kids and their kids sometimes like, you know, why are they why are they hitting each other? You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you think of how violent like a uh, like a Three Stooges are. And it's even today. Would you would you do have a show where three guys are just beating the shit out of each other? You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, you know. I mean,
1: there wasn't. I mean, now it's. I guess it's a long time ago. I mean, it's now it's like ten years. But now you have the real, you know, things like Jackass. Oh yeah, where there's that the Y, y, y <laughs> K two K. <YK2K>. Yeah, that <laughs> you know, stuff you have their, the actual people getting hurt. Yeah, for for comedy instead yeah. of, uh, f- You know, faking it.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just a it's an interesting wormhole to go down. Um, Again, with Eddie Murphy, just amazing that, you know, this guy, he's doing Saturday Night Live. Uh, interesting note is that he's the only guy that ever, as a um, as a cast member, hosted Saturday Night Live because they were doing... When 48 Hours came out, uh, Nick Nolte was supposed to headline, and then he got, I don't know, I guess ill and had to cancel. So that last minute, they got Eddie Murphy in there, and he hosted the show. So it's just this phenomenal career he's had that he's having the... And it's it just... it's. It's so surreal for people to think it at the age that this guy, that Eddie Murphy's at, that he's doing all this stuff, and it's so groundbreaking, and it's so almost ahead of its time, and it's the celebration of, you take um, the next movie, Harlem Nights, and in Harlem Nights, he he brings together some of the almost amazing pioneers of of, uh, black comedy ever. You know, with Red Fox, um, you have um, Richard Pryor's in that. Yeah, uh, Dela Reese, who's not necessarily a comedian, she's in it. You have um, the guy from Bay Bay's Kids who's died now. He's in, uh, I, I mean, there's so many yeah. people within that movie. I think he's still in his 20s. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. he's. he's <laughs> I don't think he's even 25 yet. You know, yeah. and it's just, it's just, you know, and then, then he has this re-up in years ago where now he's just, I mean, you think of how much money he's made off the Shrek property, doing, like, the movies and the TV specials and the video games, and then, uh, in the late 90s, again, partnering up with Rick Baker and doing, like, uh, the life they get, they age themselves, but certainly the p- Nutty, pr- the, the, what is it, the, the Professor movies, or uh, Dr. Doolittle, mo- you know, or, you know, where he's he's dressing up as the fat, you know, and then he takes the, you know, potion. Yeah, yes, that's Nutty you know, Professor. Nutty right. pro- you know, that, that, he's doing all that kind of crazy stuff, you know, it's just, it's amazing, you know, that him coming off this, but, Even though he is termed with the story idea, when this comes out, they're sued by, like, five or six people. A real African-like prince or king sues him. Uh, A couple screenwriters sue him, but then uh, a real guy ends up suing him. A actual, um, what he's like a satirist? Or he's a... I don't know. The one I heard, there was somebody who sued
1: because he had a treatment that was being developed... It was in development hell. Yeah, Is this the same one you're talking. Yeah, yeah
0: humorist Art Buchwald, B-U-C-H-W-A-L-D,
1: Buchwald. Yeah, yeah,
0: Art Buchwald. He sued them in 1990 because he claimed um,
1: he. Uh, yeah, 1990. It was a uh, case Buchwald uh, versus Paramount.
0: He did a. Pl- he was a political communist, com- columnist, and he was a humorist, and he had sold to Paramount a property that he had, a treatment he wrote, wrote for called king for a day in 1983 that he was thinking of having eddie murphy being in mind for and uh like you said that was just in development hell for a couple of years never went anywhere and then what is that like less than five years later suddenly eddie murphy has a story that he wrote himself which just kind of has the same aspects
1: well it was also uh it was in development hell at paramount and didn't go anywhere so we ended up getting it back and taking it to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers was just kind of developed it, and then dropped it once they heard that Eddie Murphy was doing Coming to America because it was too similar. Yeah. So then it just got kind of pushed to the wayside.
0: It's crazy. This so this. It, it, and coming, he won. Yeah, Coming to America comes out in 1988. He doesn't start end up suing till two years later, 1990, and then I think it, it goes to like what 1995 or 96 that he ends up winning because uh, they finally concede that there are that yeah it is similar, but then paramount tries to do like this kind of dubious math where they're trying to say that even though they made close to 300 million dollars profit that that movie didn't generate any yeah that's always that you know but then he ended up getting i don't know how much he got but he got a shitload of but then it's funny because then for the trial uh when they go to trial with this they they have exhibits are read into uh into the public record is like all the eddie murphy's like receipts the demands he had like where he was that he he Asked them for six hundred fifty dollars a week just for pocket money, five thousand a week for. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, he wanted six hundred fifty a week for his valet, five grand a week for a living allowance. He was getting, I think, a grand a week for his brother Charlie Murphy to be his stand-in. He had a twenty-four-hour uh, limo on service. He would uh, take his crew every day, his entourage, to McDonald's for breakfast, and he. Two hundred thirty-five dollars a day, uh, all these expenses that he was getting because he knew he was the cock in the walk at the time. He can get whatever he wanted from the from the. So they read all this into you know into yeah. evidence, and which then, I
1: mean goes into uh, another aspect of the production of this movie, which is that John Landis and Eddie Murphy didn't
0: get along. They had a falling out, yeah, and, while making this movie, and it's it's weird because. Landis hires Eddie Murphy, who's kind of still, you know, what is that? His second movie, I guess, at that point, because he does 48 hours in, I think, 82 or 83. So he's still kind of young in the world, and they have a perfect time doing trading places together. And then. Now it's Eddie Murphy's is on top of the world, and he's looking like he said he was going to direct, but he ends up hiring John Landis because he says he wants to help him out, do him a favor because he had had all this trouble with the Twilight Zone case, and he had kind of three, not flops, but they just did mediocre at the box office. And then they get on set, and then they start going to toe because Eddie Murphy claims that uh, Landis is still treating him like a kid or treating him like the kid five years ago. And uh, they have this dust-up where they almost they grab each other there's no fist thrown but they almost have a they have a physical altercation where um uh, eddie murphy grabs like landis by the lapels landis thinks he's joking he tries to grab his genitalia and they pushes him away and and, and they were, and then you know eddie murphy's really pissed off about it and he's you know he's like you know i get you know i gave him the job and he's now treating still treating me like the kid that he thought i was like you know five years ago yeah. uh, but landis's
1: story is that he was just an asshole. Yeah. Landis says, Landis like, says, uh, in Collider for Collider. I don't know if that's a magazine or a website. He says, I'm coming to America. We clashed quite a bit because he was such a pig. He was so rude to people. We had a good working relationship, but our personal relationship changed because he just felt that he was a superstar and that everyone had to kiss his ass. He was a jerk, but great. In fact, uh, one of the greatest performances he's ever given.
0: So that's Landis' side. Uh, you're quoting him. I'll quote Eddie Murphy's <laughs> side of it. <laughs> Eddie Murphy says, quote, We had a tussling confrontation. We didn't come to blows. Personalities didn't mesh. I grabbed him. And he thought I was playing, so he tried to grab my balls and I pushed him away. I wasn't kidding. He was doing some silly shit that made me mad. He had directed me in trading places when I was just starting out as a kid, but he was treating me like a kid five years later on coming to America. And I had hired him to direct the movie. I was coming to direct I was gonna direct Coming to America myself, but New Landis had just got done three fucked up pictures in a row and his career was hanging by a thread after the twilight zone trial i figured uh, the guy was nice to me when i did trading places so i'd give him a shot i was going out of my way to help this guy and he fucks me over and now he's got a hit picture on his resume a movie that made over 200 million dollars as opposed to coming off of a couple of fucked up movies which i'd rather which which is where i'd rather see him be right now and eddie Murphy laughs my eddie murphy quote is from i think like 1990 or 91 Your uh i think landis quote is from like 2005 maybe kind I of recently a, yeah I don't because know the they year they end up patching uh their differences up because then they go end up going and doing uh lethal weapon three together and i heard a uh, lethal weapon three like uh, john landis Not has this weapon i'm sorry uh, beverly hills cop, cop. Beverly Hills Cop 3, because I heard that John Landis had this whole idea. I think I'm set, telling this story right, where John Landis wanted to make it all like, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 2, make it really good, or like the first one, and then he gets to Eddie Murphy. <laughs> he, Landis wanted to make it really good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Make <laughs> it really good. <laughs> make it like the first two, and he goes to and he goes to Eddie Murphy, and like the first day on set, Eddie Murphy makes it clear that he wants to make it more of a comedy than the other two, and then it, it falls apart there, and then the movie ends up flopping, you know. Um, the, the, you know, the talent that they they bring to the table I mean at the time we having James Earl Jones play uh um What's his face? King, um... Jeffrey Jaffer's or whatever. Yeah, Jaffy, Jaffy Jaffer's. It's amazing. You know, we know Darth, James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. He has this amazing voice. You know, he was the, he used to be the, 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 this is CNN. And then, you know, we know him as uh, uh, Prince Mustafa in, in The Lion King. He well, has such a commanding voice. Yeah, it's almost because he does Coming to America, it's funnier. Well, his
1: wife in that plays? his wife in that.
0: In, in, in... in uh, Lion, Lion King. king. Yeah, they it's both the same
1: voice, the king and queen in The Lion King. Yeah, and it's so good. And so, it's got a little, both a double line. It's like they got, you're right, it's like they got uh, James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair for The Lion King because they were so good in this movie <laughs> Yeah,
0: and, uh, you know, they they said they were thinking of casting Sidney Portier in this as him, but I think just James Earl just brings this great gravity with his voice and just how he is and just, you know, he's just such a commanding presence. When he when he comes to New York at the end, it's just so funny where he walks into McDowell's and, you know, who do people still know who Louie Anderson is? This guy who was like, he had a cartoon show, he he was a... Yeah, I mean, well, now know, he's
1: known for other things. He's gotten a little bit more He did Family Feud a little bit. He was just in, uh, Zach Galifianakis has a show where... Louis Anderson plays his mom.
0: Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, and he, I think
1: he might even won an Emmy or got nominated for an Emmy for for that. Yeah. So, uh, but Louis Anderson had an interesting career. I mean, I think the cartoon show was after
0: this. Yeah, it, it was. It was in like the. But 90s. he also had a
1: talk show for for a hot yeah. for a hot second. And then, uh, you're right, really he, he was one of the Family Feud hosts post uh, Richard Dawson and, and the other guy that killed himself.
0: Uh, you have the other guy in here, the tag cab drivers. Remember Jake, Body by Jake? Jake, yeah. <laughs> I guess, Steinfeld, I think his name is? Yeah, and Body he, by Jake. And he had that show. Uh, uh, he had a show there for at least two seasons that was kind of like a home improvement or... Some kind of sitcom in the late '80s, or like right after this time, that I remember was on. And he kind of came and went. And then his claim to fame was like on Body by Jay, kind of like you know, I you know what is the? It was it a machine? Or I forget what it was. If it was an I exercise like, program. Well, or, I feel
1: like he had an exercise show. But then you're right. Then he had a, some kind of product or a series of fitness
0: products. I don't know if it was like a Richard Simmons kind of like a workout tape or If he you were getting like a you know like an ab roll you know, and of something. course you had.
1: Uh, Samuel Jackson,
0: Samuel yeah, at the being the hold up guy when he goes in and, and that's amazing
1: now there's the wonder if you picked up on it when we watched it. there is a, another cameo by somebody that would be uh, very
0: uh, important to me Tobe um, Hooper <laughs> Toby Hooper <laughs> Toby Hooper shows up Toby Hooper's at the party yeah he's at the the, the congregation with sexual chocolate plays and the reverend there no he's at the he's at
1: John Amos's house
0: oh he's at the party when they have when he's having drinks for the yeah, almost when, the engagement he, ceremony yeah when
1: Eddie Murphy's uh, the bartender oh that's hilarious just, you see him in several shots just like standing talking to somebody but yeah. he doesn't have any lines uh he might be in that other scene too, but I didn't see him that. I
0: thought he was in that, but you're probably right that it, I'm probably just making shit up like I do all the time. <laughs> like you tend to do yeah, it. I tend to do it all the time. I mean, then you have, what well, I used to always pick out that you have, uh, I guess it's his first role, Cuban Goody Jr. Yeah. He's in the barbershop chair. He doesn't even say a line. I guess he had other uh, stuff that he ended up not saying, uh, that they ended up not using. He had like a scene that they deleted. Um, and then Von D. Curtis Hall, who we brought up in the Falling Down episode, who plays the other remember he's the other guy that gets arrested and the defense or whatever? What's the what's he saying that? His um uh I'm no longer viably economically viable. Remember that whole sequence and falling down? Yeah, yeah. And it's the black that's Vondi curtis hall where he gets into the car and he's like remember me he's like i will and that's his first role here it's he that's him at madison square garden where he uh, that's a scene i always loved as a kid when they go to the basketball game and then he's in the hallways and the, the guy oh yeah yeah, see, yeah. Car- curtis hall sees him and school i'm like you know oh my god it's it's you know yeah, yeah. i it's also a feel like
1: he was in the first season i could be wrong because it's been a few years now daredevil
0: of daredevil he like, is. he's the lawyer he's, that ends up well the reporter the reporter right? that clashes with kingpin yeah that's it yeah Yeah, he's in a whole bunch of stuff um um, great actor uh but yeah there's there's all these little cameos i mean there's there's a couple other people too which i can't think of uh and it's just such a a whole it's just a different era Uh, just the just the, the, the gags, the sight lines, I didn't know growing up, there's the whole se- sequence where you have Arsenio Hall playing the the Reverend Preacher, and he introduces, I used to know this for years, like, you might know, it says, uh, you might know him as the cop in the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mamba, yeah, Rand, yeah. Uh, Jackson Heights says, oh, Randy Watson, I never knew, I thought he made all that up, I thought that, you know, the What's Going Down episode of That's My mama I didn't realize that that's a real episode. So I'm talking to a friend of mine at work who's uh, an African-American. He's like, no, you didn't know. He's like, and he tells me that some of his friends, I didn't feel as bad that they didn't realize that that's my mama was a very short lived show, I guess in the mid to late seventies. And I think it revolved around a barbershop or something like that, but I don't think it ever went into syndication. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I knew the Jeffersons and, and, you know, uh, all these other shows good times because they were in massive syndication we were little but i thought that was just a big joke of like you know the what's going on episode of that you know randy watson but yeah, that yeah. that was actually a real show you know when he comes out and sings with sexual chocolate uh you know
1: another kind of trivial uh thing uh there's two stories as to how they got the name zamunda for yes. the country uh, some people think that it comes from a, a Richard Pryor act. Yeah. And since uh, Eddie Murphy was such a fan of Richard Pryor that it makes sense that they would name it that. The writers, Barry Blaustein and, and David Sheffield, they say that they named it Zamunda as a tribute to Bob Zamuda, who was Andy Kaufman's writing partner and close friend, who o- who often played... Uh, Tony Clifton. <laughs> oh, in those sequences
0: when you realize <laughs> he, that Andy Kaufman shows up and then Tony Clifton shows up.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I, they
1: say it's, a, it's kind of a, a little bit of a different spelling that's a tribute to Bob Zamuda.
0: Yeah, because I had known, listen, I forget what album that is off of where Richard Pryor is referencing, like, uh, you know, going. I think it's like going to get, like, an African woman or something like that. He, he starts to – and that's another f- f- interesting thing because you look at – I think it's in Raw Eddie Murphy's second stand-up comedy where he's talking about going to Africa and getting one of the women off like who's like uh, like uh, riding like a zebra or something and taking her home and domesticating her and that's the joke where she only speaks in clicks I think yeah. and you know <laughs> where the where the, and then he's saying that well that's what this I'm this is what Eddie Murphy's <laughs> I know, saying I know, you I know, know? I know and he's like and he's you know this is like you're gonna find true love that I think it's because he's talking about Johnny Carson and he's talking about how why you need a prenup and the whole joke is you see you see Eddie Carson on the front page of People magazine like this like and then you turn the page and then it's because he lost all his money like the wife got half and he's like I'm gonna go to Africa and get myself one of those African bitches I think he says or something but in this it's you get he's trying to you know go to America to find a girl to bring back with him like a girl that means it and this is her first role too in this she didn't even have an agent the girl that ends up playing um uh, the the lead in this movie. Lisa McDowell. Uh, yeah. That's the
1: Sherry Headley yeah. is the name of the actress. Now, did you find this little piece of <laughs> trivial information? <laughs> I don't know. That in the, in the mid-90s, she was married to
0: Christopher Martin, who's also Play from Kid and Play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. That's that's what we should do. One of those, those house party movies. Remember that with the high low. You know, Martin Lawrence is in that too, the... right? Isn't Martin Lawrence in those movies? <coughs> I don't know. If, do people still know who Kid and Play? That's like, is that almost like Crisscross? Like people know who?
1: <laughs> well, I don't think Crisscross were ever as big as Kid. Oh
0: play. no, I, I, I'm not in any way trying to conflate the two and say we they were. Do uh,
1: Disorderlies, the Fat Boys movie? I love Disorderlies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the Disorderlies. Uh, oh, those are these. You know, uh, I, it's just. You know, they, it took them three to four hours to put all the cost, the makeup on, um, to do these ma- the Rick Baker masks, and the, and I love that the idea that they were really looking back at like o- old like Christian Dior fashion designs of like to, to get these beautiful these really nice African outfits yeah. to have this unique kind of look. Um, <laughs> well, it's just funny.
1: It's just some of the some of the jokes that I remember from a, as a kid that stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like when they come out. Uh when they walk in and then you see everybody raid their luggage outside through the window yeah. and then they come outside again and everyone's wearing neighborhood
0: and they have like a gold they have a gold <laughs> hair dryer <laughs> and the one guy's trying to sell all that gold stuff and I
1: always remember when I was a kid and he goes into the barber shop, and he's just like give me something normal or whatever and he just cuts the, he
0: just cuts the tail off and he's like there you go that'll be $10 <laughs> something like that I always I always remembered when they were looking for the the uh they're looking for the apartment, and that guy's famous. I forget his name. The the yeah. landlord because well, he had a show the in the in the nineties. He
1: did. Now I also
0: wonder in my head. This is another Marvel show. Oh, let me hold on. That so I, I always remember as a joke when he shows them the room, and you have on the f- the floor. You have the cutout of yeah, the blind yeah. man and you have a cutout of the yeah. dog and like the cane. And then he's like, <laughs> What is it? He? he just says, Like, it's and it's a shame what they did to that dog. <laughs> it's like, What? You know? And sitting, was like looking like at him and him, and, like, you know, he doesn't want to be there.
1: Now, this is an uh, now I think you know what? I'm going to look it up just uh, to
0: make sure we, we say it right. Uh, because the watch... black awareness rally is what we were trying to say before, it was what they went to. Yeah,
1: now this the guy who's uh, plays. The guy who runs the, who owns the the building, yeah. Oh, what's his name? The Frank, guy, Frankie F- F- Faison. Yeah. Now he, I think, and I, I don't think that it's not a coincidence or or anything, but you know, you're talking about the culture of barbershops in the African American community. I believe he plays pops in the Luke Cage series. Okay. Who owns the, the well, Barbershop, right?
0: Yeah. I didn't see them, but I think I saw him in the trailer. And, uh, but, so, yeah, that's.
1: what I know him from most recently, but, yeah, he was in a show when we were
0: young. Yeah, I want to say it wasn't Rock. It was like, and I just saw, I just and, rewatched. You know, it was
1: funny you say Rock because when we were watching, I was trying to think what he was in, and I was like, I, too. Was, was like, it Rock? I was like, was it Rock? Was he the guy that replaced Rock?
0: I don't Because <laughs> didn't, uh, rock went away what's his The face? guy yeah because i just saw him in cat's eye he had an un he he had no lines in cat's eye with the guy that you knew frenchy from goodfellas that you saw at cabin fever that guy's oh, in yeah, that the yeah. two of them were a team up anyway we're getting off the beaten track mm-hmm. but there's so many freaking uh cam- and, and just the this is one of those movies where we saw you know I could still quote line, entire lines from this movie, where you have the sexual chocolate that scene, <laughs> or the or the scene where they're talking about like uh, how was was Rocky Marciano? We fought Joe Louis. He was seventy-seven years old. He's like, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he you, you know Frank Sinatra told me he's like you didn't meet no Frank Sinatra, <laughs> and he's like you did too. And how he sat right here for the chair, like all that. Like there's different bits in the movie where you you know I'm sure people know verbatim, and then when when um. <laughs> When uh, What's his face Comes in Jaffe, King Jaffe comes in And he's like I'm looking for my son Akeem. And he's like What is that velvet Like that You know All that stuff yeah, And like yeah. Who's gonna clean all this up Cause like, <laughs> they have To rose Federals? You know It's just It's such funny stuff And yeah, you know yeah. Or um, uh, You know he Arsenio Hall Redoes the apartment you know, yeah, and there's the one I always her. remember that as a kid too. Yeah, he's got the, he's he got comes the, back in
1: and we've done the apartment and they, they got to switch apartments.
0: Bath. You know, and then he's like, you know, and then when uh, for punishment he's got to go home and get washed by the ceremonial girls. Like that's all I want. He's like, okay, you know, he goes back to I think he's going to uh, what's his face on Park Avenue that the Waldorf. Yeah, you know. Um it's just funny, and then the whole McDonald's thing. Like, I guess you know they shot that in Queens on Queens Boulevard. At a Wendy's, right? Yeah, it was a Wendy's. They converted it to a McDonald's um, to look like a McDonald's, and it, the the story is that like they let the McDonald's like corporation know, but I guess since McDonald's or maybe franchises, um, the McDonald's down the road didn't find out about it. So when when the <laughs> set dress yeah, so when the set d- dressers were there trying to dress it up, the owner of that that McDonald showed up with their lawyer to take and start taking pictures and saying they're going to shoot the shit out of them, you know? And it's like, it's a joke. And that w- restaurant stood there until like 2013 and they ended up knocking it down. It like you said, it was a Wendy's very famous a- area. I think it was, you know, we're, we're like uh, l Cool J that whole area, Queens Boulevard. Came
1: yeah. Out, yeah. Well, you know, you it's know. funny because a couple of years ago when we did the, we get a Bernie's episode. Yeah. Which comes out around the same time as this. Dude, basically, it's like '87, like, cro- like Crocodile
0: Dundee time. We talk about dirty New York. Are you go into dirty New York. <laughs> we go into our, our our giant dirty New
1: York covers. Yeah, half hour of are we going to Bernie's episode? Yeah, is it, about us talking about old dirty New York and how it was presented in movies. It, this it's is the a, same thing here. This is another perfect. You're parrying Yeah,
0: it's like you're pirating uh, this. That was supposed to be in Queens, but they shot the barber stops, ex, the barber shop exterior stuff. I think in Williamsburg, Williamsbridge, Brooklyn. Uh, but it's just that 80s destitute you had a lot of that you know the building's not there it's oh, really they go down the. you know you
1: go down into the subway and then
0: you see all the There's graffiti, all the graffiti. Tri-
1: no I thought it was kind of funny because- which they
0: shot in the same uh, station as they shot 87 Martin Scorsese did Michael Jackson's bad video and that's all. And I think that's the same station they might have shot some of the Taken of the Pelham 123 stuff in because it's the they have that track that they let people shoot on, the subway, yeah. because it's a track that goes to nowhere, I think, or, or curves around or something. Goes to nowhere. It goes to nowhere. The subway track that goes to
1: nowhere. But I just thought it was interesting that um, when they get on the subway and then the subway leaves, every time the subway leaves... John Landis holds on it for a really long time. Yeah, like you see
0: the it leaving all the graffiti. Whereas you know, the, once you get the, the the door shut, it should be done. Yeah, like you, you should can be cut, You can cut in. Yeah, interior, interior subway. to
1: him trying to talk to the Eddie Murphy. Yeah. but instead there's like a good fifteen seconds <laughs> of the train pulling out of the station, and I was like, "Huh? I wonder why he did that." Because then when he leaves, when she gets off the train. He does it again He yeah. like holds on that train Leaving the
0: station and, and, and maybe it's supposed to be A pun or something Or something. And then of in thing. The, inside the station There's the joke That
1: you referred to earlier Of the uh, See you next Wednesday See you next Wednesday yeah. There's a poster
0: We brought up Last year for Halloween We did the Garfield um, Halloween special And I just re-listened to it And we were talking about The Garfield hanging Suction cup guy, and there's yeah, one in this. Yeah. Remember where these it's like in the he goes to say hello to her to, to try when he's mopping the floor, yeah. And yeah. you see the little Garfield hanging there that I saw. I noticed I was like, we were just talking about that last year, <laughs> I think. <mean. laughs> we were just talking about that a year ago, a year ago, but that's you know part of the whole thing. And then even there's the painting in their house, it's like a, it's a black uh, version of it where it's the girl looking at herself. It's a very famous, like, um. Victorian painting of a girl in a win- like a mirror, looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, but it's the black version of that, which is very funny. You know, it's, it's just just so many great little. Like um, yeah, and the house is great.
1: Yeah, it's just so the fun. decoration of the house. And then I also always remembered the joke about when the soul glow. The soul glow. People yeah. get up off the couch. And, and it's there's, all what, and there's you know, the stage. And it's all a Jerry
0: Crow. Remember because he at one point he's about he's gonna he wants to get Jerry Crow. He's yeah, like do yeah. that to you know because it's supposed to be natural. He's like what do you put in your hair? He's like just berries. <laughs> it's like wow. He's like it's so funny all that. And then and then the song soul glow and everybody had the the mom the dad and the and the um you know was. Darnell or they have all the, yeah, the yeah. soul glow in their hair I mean it's yeah, just I was glad so... we did this one
1: because I, it's been so long since I've seen this movie and
0: the, <laughs> the yeah. soundtrack was a hit too when it came out and that sold like hot cakes I mean there's so much uh, they tried to do a TV pilot and they had Tommy Davidson as the uh, Eddie Murphy character playing him and then I think the guy uh, who plays his manservant in it, I forget the guy's name Paul something Paul Gates maybe Um. He he reprises the, ca- the in the in the Paul Paul Bates. Bates. He he reply, repri- reprises his character, but then I guess it it they never it never kicked off and it wish, aired once.
1: You know, I'm, you can find I think I you can find it online. I think to to stream, but I wish you could get box sets or something of these failed pilots or failed TV shows because there's so many of these shows that are based on movies. Like I think we talked about it for. Uh, Adventures of Babysitting
0: yeah they had that, we 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 actually watched that pilot and I think we had linked to it in the podcast because yeah. I have a memory yeah where the the quickie mark gets taken over and they gotta go, you know because <laughs> there's,
1: the, there's this one and I know that there's like eight episodes of a gung-ho spinoff oh yeah that stars Scott Bakula in the, As Michael the Michael Keaton, Keaton is the Michael Keaton part but has the other has like a bunch of the like Clint Howard's in it has a bunch of people that were in the movie the original yeah are in the show it's just this beautiful time
0: for. Well, if crack, anything would for sell crap, it, for crappy sitcoms. yeah, they're like, if it's if it's gonna work, we're gonna freaking do it. Uh, it in, yeah, it's just there's a lot of again. We bring up the the cameos of um, of, um, uh, Ralph Bellamy and uh, yeah. uh, uh, Don, Amici. That's Freaking comedic gold, where it's like Mortimer, we're back in business, you know. a, yeah. a Drake reference to I trading like places. I remember
1: seeing that and my brother explaining to me what it meant that they were from Trading Places. Yeah. And
0: they he even tried to get James Gleason is a James Paul Gleason. James Gleason is an older actor. He tried to get Paul Gleason to reply as his role, but at the time he was already signed on to Die Hard because he plays what is it Johnson? No, he doesn't play Johnson. He plays one of the cops. He's like, you know, they're going after lights. They're going after the lights uh Paul Gleason, who's now dead from Breakfast Club you get the horns Oh yeah yeah no, that's Paul Gleason. remember he's yeah, he in the bully, trading the horns, yeah he's the in principle. trading places and then he went he wanted to get him for this but he, this, but he was already attached cuz he was doing die hard he's like sarge captain. That I haven't seen Die hard? No uh trading places trading places no, uh, Oh I haven't see, seen, I haven't seen, she, seen that And that's another so thing long. because doesn't she get naked in trading she, yeah, places She's nude in that So it's Gingly like curse. you know it's I get that mixed up because at the end of that they go on the train and is that the with the monkey the gorilla the guys dressed up as the gorilla, or see, I get, I get, silver bullet, not silver bullet, not silver, silver streak. streak. I get silver streak because we, we, you and I, haven't done a, a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder movie, yeah, like Stir Crazy or uh, Silver Streaks. But I get Silver Streak in,
1: in the or, end uh, of Trading
0: Places or uh, messed up see no, we here, no Evil. Oh, I love here. See, no, we here, no Evil. I love I love Stir Crazy. Oh, even every one of those movies. But no, we Hear No Evil. When I was little, I saw that. That's another movie I shouldn't have saw when I was little. But I saw that right when it came out. You forget that the bad guy and it's Kevin Spacey, really young. You know. Yeah. Is I, isn't
1: Joan Severance in it too? I'm trying to think who the girl the the girl is in that movie. Maybe
0: because I remember like the scandalous scene, like at the end of the movie, Gene Wilder's like hiding in the bathroom, and she. She leans out and she's like topless and you see her breast come out and he's like, and he hands her the towel because she can't reach because she has soap in her eyes. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like these things you remember as a kid. It's like, oh, my God, I shouldn't be watching this, you know. Um, so I will say just because we we're talking about trading places. Yeah. Uh,
1: I recently saw a documentary about Larry Cohen, yes. the filmmaker and writer mm-hmm. called King Cohen. Yeah. And John Landis is in it. And he tells a story about when he was making uh, trading Places. Yeah. And I urge everybody to check out the documentary. One, because it's great. Two, Larry Cohen has had a fascinating life. And three, there's a funny story with John Landis uh, making Trading Places that involved, I, th- I believe, the making of Cue the Winged Serpent. Oh, how yeah. how they oh. overlapped in New York City. And <laughs> so check that out. A little, um, little plug for King
0: Cohen. There's another cameo of... Uh, F. Gary, Gary, F. Gary Gray, who did like the Friday movies, and he did a uh, whole bunch of Negotiator. That he's he's um, got a little. Uh, I think he also did Straight Outta Compton recently, but he's got a cameo in this movie too.
1: Yeah, and one one of the Rose, one of the girls that puts the rose petals. She's been in stuff since. Yeah. Then I believe mean, yeah. she was in. She was on a show that I enjoyed, Franklin and Bash, because it had Mark Paul Gossler in it. But uh, so there's a lot.
0: I mean, there's a lot of on un- uh, uh, a familiar faces of, that, that we didn't in. see. That we didn't know growing up, uh, uh, Ruben Hudson. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of people. Um, it. I never understood why there's this big controversy about the fallout between of uh, Arsenio and Eddie Murphy because they did this movie together and it was mm-hmm. great. They do Harlem Nights and uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, Arsenio has a hilarious cameo in Harlem Nights, and then Arsenio gets uh, the Arsenio Hall show, which was huge, and at the time there was even talk like we were saying before about how dirty Eddie Murphy's comedy is towards homosexuals that it's because maybe he's bisexual hiding, hiding his sexuality and then like we said before about him being caught with a trans uh, transvestite in his car mm-hmm. so there was, there was talk for years that Arsenio Hall and him were maybe a little closer than you know best friends or whatever and then there's an episode of Arsenio Hall show where Eddie Murphy is on promoting maybe Boomerang or something he's on the show and they're joking as friends joke good friends joke and then Eddie Murphy's Arsenio makes a joke about Eddie Murphy's naked toes oh your toes are so grisly or ugly and then he stops and he looks at the camera and goes I saw his toes at the beach that's how I know what his toes look like almost implying that people would imply that there yeah. was a gay kind of a thing I also feel like there was something to do with Eddie Murphy and a foot fetish that it oh maybe that could be the reason why he's making it clear I that because like,
1: I feel like I remember some story I've seen
0: about your toes I mean that doesn't imply that you know <laughs> well, we, we, also we lived l- together we
1: also lived in a tiny box a together.
0: dorm room and then, then we lived we shared an apartment together for for a couple of years um, and then f- from the catalyst from what I heard is there a rumor of why they may have fallen out was there was a time where Arsenio Hall's show was so big and the very controversial um, uh, Louis Farrakhan. Was supposed to come on arsenio and paramount didn't want farrakhan to come on and they urged arsenio not to have farrakhan on and then even eddie murphy came to arsenio and also said hey you shouldn't have him on and either maybe paramount asked eddie murphy to do that or eddie murphy did it on his own and arsenio said hey you know what i can do what i want yeah and he had farrakhan on and then some say because he had farrakhan on he the show gets canceled and they blame it on that there was a merger between like Viacom and like Paramount, and because of that merger, they they kill the Arsenio Hall show. But that's kind of silly because if a, sh- a show is going good, yeah they, yeah, they you know it's all about the money. Who cares what your content is? Usually, never, you know that if if it shows the show night show. yeah, and it was huge. I mean, at the time, that was the big thing with Carson. Carson was aging out, and all of a sudden, you had shows like the Arsenio Hall show were just as popular. Going to a demographic that a lot of these other shows did not, you know, uh, yeah. go after. And it wasn't just exclusively going after the African American audience. Yeah. It was going after everybody. I watched it. Bill Clinton was on it. Every, oh, sure. you know. I watched it. Yeah. You know, it was one of the big, you know, hotter was on Yeah. Dressed as Jason. You know, I think we even have a link to that. I mean, everybody was on New the Arsenio show. The block show. were on it. Yeah, Tom Waits was on <laughs> Everybody was on. And that was, I would stay up late at night just to watch who was going to be on Arsenio's show that, you know. Yeah. And so then it's, it abruptly went away. And then they just the tried dog- to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they just tried to reboot it a couple of years ago. Uh, I think Sinclair, and then it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. And then some people say because they were maybe trying to cater too much to the African-American audience, which I don't think would be, yeah, you know, that would be, you know. But so for years, people have talked about why they had this this disconnect. And then recently for the, Ars- the reboot of the Arsenio Hall show, Eddie Murphy came on. And he was saying, I don't know why we had the... We, we are, and Arsenio's like, yeah, we don't have beef anymore. He's like, we don't have... We had beef? And they make a joke like we, they never had beef. But it's just weird that they never went to do anything together again into yeah. the 90s. You know, you think you would have thrown a bone. It's like visiting the conversation of why Mike Myers didn't do anything with Dana Carvey post Wayne's World, you know, so... It's it's very odd. I mean, yeah. we brought up on Wayne's World how, you know, you said you weren't so much a Saturday Night Live guy growing up, where mm-hmm. I was a huge Saturday Night Live kid. So seeing all Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live in that era and then me watching the uh years with Phil Hartman and that cat crew uh it's just it's 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 weird. And it's there compelling. has
1: been rumors. Be a sequel, that right? There's that they're making a sequel. Yeah. And I believe on that show Arsenio Hall kind of put said that that wasn't going to happen because of legalities. And then there was some instance where uh, Eddie Murphy, I think, through social media, posted a picture of the girl that plays the sister. Yeah, and said that they, you know, was like question mark. Like. That, see
0: that even that plot is hilarious. How she starts going after, she's trying to like give him a hand job at the base <laughs> basketball game, and you know, and then later she goes, she's you know, she's with Arsenio, and Arsenio ends up with her. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah. so. It's just so funny. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like... I feel like we sped through this because we're but so... La,
1: but also, la, last I heard uh, was apparently the writers had said that they were developing a, a script for a sequel, and that Paramount had said that it was in development. So we'll see if that ever ends up happening.
0: I hope it's not developing hell like you hear so many other times we have these shows where like, yeah, they're, they're supposedly doing, and you never hear it again. It you know, would be so. the kids. Yeah. Kids of Akeem. That'd be awesome. Or what's going on. Yeah. I mean, but to me, Arsenio has an age. He's like almost close to 60 now, and he still looks great. Black don't crack. (laughs) I'm (laughs) telling you. That's what they say. You know, I mean, even John Amos is... I saw him recently on one of these shows where he was doing something with a boys club, and he was part of this organization. It was one of these uh, shows where you go buy stuff, and he was looking to buy like an island on a lake in the U.S. to donate. And I saw him on there, and he looked great for his age, so... Um, anything else you want to throw out before we start wrapping this up? I don't think
1: so. I just think, you know, I'm glad we did it. It's been at least 25 years since I've seen this movie. I think this, you know, we grew up in in an age that was a beautiful time. Because not only did we have uh, video stores, but we also had kind of the rise of cable and paid movie channels. And though I didn't have that at my mom's house, I was able to enjoy those when I visited my dad. And I think that's why... Maybe movies, you know, they kind of latched onto our hearts and certain movies, you know, we, though we had cable at the time and uh, many people had cable and we had video stores, there was so much more variety. There was so much more opportunity to see things. There was a bigger variety than generations before us, but still a pretty refined, you know. Variety, yeah, yeah, you know, and so, so we grew. This is one of those movies that I feel like our generation just grew up watching on television and watching oh, on and HBO, yeah, all kind of format, yeah, and just you know, it repeat watching, cult, you classic know? kind of, a, yeah. Our generation was the first generation to have repeat watching, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> viewing, and I think, uh, one, I think we're a better generation for it, and this is one of those movies that I think is just a prime example of. Of why. Of, of you know, of why and why a movie like this is so uh, endeared just to, to, to uh, you know, people around our generation. Because it was just, it was on and we watched it and it was fun and a lot of nostalgia, even though honestly this was never... You know, one of my big movies. Yeah. You know, I never owned it on VHS. I never taped it off of television and watched it all the time. Yeah. Like some of the other movies we've talked about in recent months, but it's certainly a movie that I look back on fondly. And like I said, there were jokes. Yeah. That I, I would say to you. <laughs> you know, you say I <laughs> always there you. are certain th- things that I you know I've the twenty plus years that we've been friends that I you know I, I've recognized the, the quote that you quote things from this movie and. <laughs> so it was nice, it was yeah, a nice it's, fun. And it's a nice little walk down you're line. right
0: it's, it's nice a light you know maybe we should do this again next week do another light kind <laughs> of a comedy movie it's nice yeah but uh as we head into the holiday season yeah you know, I can't wait it's gonna be exciting but uh you can find us on you know uh, face- Facebook we're on Twitter we're on Twitter We're on Instagram, uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. You can like us, tweet us. You can message us. You can retweet us. You can check out our back catalog there. Just
1: don't call me late for dinner. Don't
0: call me late for dinner. (laughs) You Uh, can also find
1: us at clnsmedia.com.
0: Yes, clnsmedia.com. And uh, we're on
1: iTunes and Stitcher.
0: The the podcast, yeah. We have our own site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. We can check out some uh, extras we always post with the different uh, particular episodes. Maybe if we
1: can find a link to... The pilot of uh, this or, maybe or put a link to that
0: or the, that's my mama show that I, <laughs> that I found on YouTube that actually existed. Um, also Blake, you have stuff
1: scored to death conversations with some of the greatest, greatest composers. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. You can order for me directly signed copy. Just go to score to death.com. Of course, I'm also scored to death on uh, Twitter and Facebook and, uh, w- you know, just keep an eye out. Follow me on those things to find out what I'm up to. I've been doing some writing uh, recently, freelance writing for things. And so you can keep up with that. Um, also just did a couple of guest spots on recent uh, podcasts, four brains, one movie. I did a night of the living dead episode. That was a lot of fun. And I also just did a holiday a Halloween special for the damn fine network on the damn fine cast where I played a bunch of I played DJ for a day. Yeah, it was I, awesome. And I spun a bunch of uh, horror movie themes and stuff, and I also had a couple of those surprise guests come on.
0: Sweet. That's really nice. And Dion, you have something very uh,
1: spectacular coming out very soon.
0: I do. I have a book coming out December the 4th called Blood in the Streets, a crime thriller, 70s cop crime thriller, if you like uh, thrillers, police fiction, police procedurals, historical fiction—pick it out. It's going to pick it up. It's going to be on paperback, audio book, uh, ebook. Uh, you can go to Blood in the Streets. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Uh, please follow those pages and check updates there. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon. Uh, check it out there. Uh, you know, if you like gritty '70s cinema and stuff like that, uh, this is right up your alley. So uh, I'm trying to get some uh publicity and kick it off and some memento going for a month it's going to be out in less than a month it's very nerve-wracking so like
1: a great stocking stuff
0: yes yes so please go uh, check it out there on amazon blood in the streets it's called very exciting uh and we're going to be back in two weeks for another installment of saturday night movie sleepovers we'd like to thank our sponsors uh for this episode green chef yeah thank you very much for sponsoring this episode and we will see you in two weeks
1: later